cleverly, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, January 25th, 2021, and it's time, diggity donks, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside our Jersey City bomb shelter fucking thing here we call the studio. <laughs> we, we welcome you inside. It has been a long week for Brian and I. We are two old losers trying to capture our youth through the course of uh, entertaining banter, and we've succeeded mildly in that in the last week. But here we are today to discuss UFC 257, answer your questions, look at some viral videos, and a whole lot more. I'm Luke Thomas from CBS Sports. That's my uh, co-host here. Name co-host. No, that's Brian Campbell, also from CBS Sports. Hi, BC. The, the sag to your balls? Is that where we're going with that, Luke? You're the, you're the cue to my anon. Oh, indeed, indeed. Luke, I was asking you if the uh, charcoal gray looks slimmer than the black. You know, I'm trying to look less fat for the final show. I think show. you look fine. I think because, you look fine. Because uh, people don't know that you ordered, I don't know, $179 worth of Taco Bell last night? I mean, pretty close. Now, we didn't eat most of it. In fact, we just left it in my fridge. But they delivered it, and BC was actually curling how much weight there was to get in shape because we ordered a fucking mountain of Taco Bell. And then we went to sleep at 9 p.m. like two <laughs> geriatric losers. <laughs> not, first of all, not in the same room, not, not in the same, same room. bed, okay? He, he was, we watched football together, and he was in my room, and then at halftime for Chiefs-Bills, he was like, I got to go call the wife and kids. I'm old. And he farted on the way out and <laughs> was like holding his rear end as he walked out. I was like, oh. <laughs> Luckily, documentary crews have been with us most of the week, so this should yeah. be uh, what a wild turn of events the last few days around uh, team, team Morning Combat. Yeah, well, let's do this. First of all, thanks to everyone who might be new here who subscribed over the weekend. We did a, we did a lot of content in the lead-up to UFC 257, plus a lot of content uh, certainly afterwards. So for folks who are new to us, who came to us from our post-fight show, welcome. This is our more typical show. We do it three times a week at 11 a.m. in the East, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But we do put a lot more content up there, interviews, live chats, um, and a whole lot yeah, more. Yeah, we're not only doing it and doing it, we're doing it well, right? Let's see if they get the 90s counter. we got some new people running in the back. We'll see how that goes. You can see all of the ways to uh, follow us on social media. Should be noted, of course, that the good folks at Showtime make this show possible. So if you'd like to try Showtime, you can give it a trial free for 30 days. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go to Pound Sand. Just go to Showtime.com. We do have merch. It looks kind of like this. Um, this is the show basketball merch, but you can go to store.show, that's S-H-O.com, and then you can get some Morning Combat gear, some mugs, some hats, some shirts, some hoodies, tons of good stuff, high quality. You have to live basically in a place where they can actually just throw it to you from yeah. the factory, but, you know. If you, if you either represent Queens or were raised down in Brooklyn, you could probably buy it, if not not in the Oh, area. I see the 90s references. <laughs> oh, wow. They put you back in studio, you yeah, start bringing yeah, them back. Yeah, the feeling, it just comes out. Hey, how about this guy, Luke, or uh, Lou, I'm sorry, sweet Lou getting me the coffee right here? Yeah. You know, <laughs> this, wait, this is not the same guy who, uh, thank you so much, Lou, who was uh, re-racking behind the camera. Yeah, today. it is. <laughs> He's like, my keys are in my pocket. <laughs> I said cream, not a... Uh, the dude was yeah. jingling for five minutes. I'm like, I don't think it takes that long to find the keys. But, okay, we have a lot of stuff to get to today. UFC 257 in the books. We gave you our immediate reaction, but there was a ton we left out. So we'll get to that. Plus, we have some boxing news to get to as well. So you ready, BC? Oh, I'm so I got not, the I got the ready. Dustin Poirier hot sauce, which, by the way, there's a review of that on the channel as well. Oh, and please watch our room service diaries, all that, because we, you know, we... We face-fucked the camera most of the week, and uh, I think I think it was, it was consensual at the very least, right, Luke? Yeah, well, also, we were going to do a room service diaries yesterday, but, yeah, we're old. 
it was not going to happen, so no. And will you admit that you blew off the documentary team on Saturday? I had a hangover, and I told them to go pound sand. That's what they I They wanted to watch you work out. They wanted to do a few weird things. It wasn't going to happen, bro. I just yeah. didn't have it in me. So, all right. I'll Let's, carry it. I'll carry it for the, for the sake of art. Thank you. Uh, it's not really <laughs> art, but okay. Look, if I was arting in my pants right now, would you want to at least be aware of that? No. Uh, I want you to die. Uh, okay. Let's get this going here. Five topics. Let's go to topic number one, if we can. Dustin Poirier wins at UFC 257. Folks are like, this is not an upset. Yes, it was. He was a plus 200 plus underdog. That makes him, by definition, well, his win, his victory anyway, an upset. But okay, neither here nor there. He wins in pretty spectacular fashion. To the point where, uh, BC, we went over this on Saturday night. We both had McGregor winning the first round. But then, really, Poirier laid the foundation for what he would build on in the second, and that eventually caused the stoppage. We'll talk about what happened to McGregor in just a second, but let's rightfully focus on the hot sauce winner here, Dustin Poirier. He's the sauce, not me. That yeah, guy's that, the sauce. Certainly this weekend. What should and what will a win like this do for Dustin Poirier? Uh, How it, transformative is it? Yeah, I mean, it, it cements him as an all-time great. His, re- his resume coming in before this one was already spectacular, but this is certainly one of those moments where you stop when someone's still in their, kind of still in their prime and still in their run, and you just kind of give them that extra shine and be like, we are watching an all-time great career play out right now. I mean, to go since the first loss to McGregor in 2014, essentially 12-2, and two, and your only losses are a one-punch flash knockout to Michael Johnson and getting humbled and dominated by Habib Nurmagomedov, who everybody gets humbled and dominated against. It's all killer, no filler through that. And by going back and beating McGregor in this fight and having it kind of be the biggest win of his career, he slayed all the demons of who he used to be. And he, you know, what what should happen? He probably should be your UFC lightweight champion right now. I mean, UFC... Kind of bungled in, in the sake of the hope of getting Conor Habib too. Kind of bungled the whole title picture this weekend. We've been very open and honest about it. You can never lose having Conor McGregor in a pay-per-view main event in a very competitive matchup in which you can lose. But I really thought that should have been your title fight. Now we know seemingly for sure Habib's not coming back. I don't know if I need to wait another fight to, have, to give Poirier his moment. Because whether he ever wears that full title or not, and he's certainly deserving at this point, this win over McGregor is... is, is is the, the, to me, Luke, it's the full bloom. It's the, it's the full achievement of his promise. He, came, he went back to the drawing board in 2014 and brick by brick built this thing, and he crossed the path on Saturday. Again, title or not, he's basically your UFC lightweight champion right now. Never be higher in the history books than Habib, rightfully so, but I think he cemented himself among the all-time greats here, and uh, this, is, this is it, man. He, he climbed the mountain. Right? He climbed the damn mountain. There's, you know, if he fights Chandler next for the vacant belt and he wins that, there's still another great moment. But I think he already achieved it in a weird way, which is something he tweeted out just an hour ago. Right. I am the champion. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that statement. Certainly nothing wrong with it at all. I mean, what's kind of funny is if you think about it, BC, if someone were to ask us, hey, do you think Eddie Alvarez is one of the greatest lightweights ever? I would absolutely say yes. And there's a lot of reasons you could point to that. I mean, he had dominance in virtually every organization he was in, at least for a short amount of time, including the UFC, where he was champion for a brief time before losing to McGregor. But, you know, he was a champion in uh, Bellator. He was a champion in all, you know, Dream and everything else. I mean, Bodog fight? Bodog fights. The guy held a million belts and or beat guys who uh, held them at the time. And so you ask yourself, you know, it, it, does his resume hold up to be put in that category? Not the best lightweight ever, but okay. But if you look at Dustin Poirier's resume, one of the things that's still missing is an undisputed UFC, or UFC lightweight title. He, of course, was the interim title after he beat Max in that famous card in Atlanta. But I'm with you. The fact that he doesn't have it technically, 
I'm not going to say it's insignificant because it does matter on some level to have that versus not. But this moment over the weekend was when he crossed into one of the elite lightweights of our time to one of the elite lightweights dot, dot, dot of all time. Okay. If, if, if Habib is around, that's the guy. But if he's retired, Poirier's the guy. And it looks by all indications that Habib is gone. In which case, Dustin Poirier is the best active lightweight on earth, whether there is that's a belt crowning him so or not. That's so much given the, where we are historically in this division right now. After I mean, he lost insane. to Conor McGregor and he fought Diego Fajardo, you're like, okay, he, can, he has some promise up at lightweight, but every time these guys switch weight classes, a lot of times what you'll see is they do it a little bit late in their run, or they do it yeah, to desperation. like desperation, or you know, you know, get some fresh matchups, and they get some wins, and it's not like a, it's not a waste of time, but he did it early enough in his youth, so to speak, such that by the time he made the switch, he still had time to build, he still had time to change, he still had time to learn lessons and right those wrongs, and there were still some bumps along the way, as you indicated with Habib and Michael Johnson, but one of the things about Poirier that stands out to me is he had a lot of natural ability, but what he really had was a commitment to the idea that work over time results in something special. And it doesn't come easy, and it doesn't come quickly, but if you just keep working, if you just keep, I always say, swinging that ax, that tree will fall. To me, even with the questions about McGregor, where is he, is he coming, is he going, how good is he, to me it doesn't matter. You can look around the rest of the division. He's basically beaten everybody else that is there to be beaten. I mean, he only didn't get a chance to fight Tony. That's really the only thing he's missing, right? Right. And again, I don't want to say that, oh, well, Oliveira beat him. It doesn't count. I mean, that's Oliveira appears to be the next big thing as well, so we'll see how that goes. But right now, Dustin Poirier deserves your acknowledgement as the best active lightweight and I think has entered the pantheon of one of the all-time great lightweights we've ever seen in the sport. I hope he gets a chance to get a title wrapped around his waist, mm -hmm. you know, after the fact, I don't know if that will come. I hope he gets a couple pay-per-view, you know, almost a spot, a slot, you know, spots coming up, or you know, a side, if you will, on that. Do you think he'll ever leave pay-per-view now? Like in terms of the commercial change, is this? I mean, Nate Diaz, you couldn't imagine fighting on free TV. It right. just wouldn't make sense. Is that the space you think uh, that he's in now? One hundred percent. And you know, I think at his core, he's an incredible B-side to any superstar, but now it's his chance to try to be the A-side, to try to capture this championship and do it. And again, we're not really sure if McGregor can come all the way back to where uh, a trilogy is warranted. I mean, a trilogy will ha probably happen more, you know, more likely than it not happening, but McGregor's got to kind of come back and earn that. It's Poirier's time right now. I want to kind of see what he can do marketing-wise because, uh, you know, you, you couldn't have more reasons to cheer for the guy in, in terms of how he's handled himself. And it's just... Uh, Again, it was humbling to see Conor McGregor knocked out, laying down in the meme against the cage. I mean, it's, it's, that meme's everywhere right now. Uh, that man sent him there. That man. That guy. And it just reminds me, too, it's kind of interesting, like, all of the blood and, uh, you know, just ugliness and vitriol of everything you saw at UFC 229. This was the opposite of that. Yes. This was, you know, even after the fact, there was tons of videos that came out of Poirier being quite gentlemanly towards Conor, not rubbing it in, you know, celebrating but in a professional way. And listen, you beat Conor McGregor, you have a right to celebrate. Would you have preferred he grabbed the mic and was like, who's the P-head now, biatch? No. And would you have liked that? Because it almost would have ruined it. it almost would, he, this was not a quest to stick it to Conor. That's the whole part about Dustin that really stands out to me. This was not the Count of Monte Cristo. This was not a revenge plan because that would have gotten him back into the same psychological problems that got him hemmed up the first time. Yeah. This was about a quest of self. This was about self-actualization. This was about your own. This was about your own struggles internally, and because he kept it so centered, 
I believe he was able to have the most amount of success as a consequence. Agree I, or disagree? I fully agree with you on that. Also, Monte Cristo is a fantastic sandwich, except for the rye element. What is a Monte Cristo? Actually, I don't think I've ever had one. It's very greasy, but it's rye bread-based, and it's just not my thing, all right? It tastes disgusting. Isn't bread and grease like your actual thing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can swim in it if I have to, literally, yeah. right? But, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, is Dustin going to get as famous from this as Nate got? No, because he's not to steal Connor's nickname, notorious enough, right? He does it by the book, and that seems to hold you back marketing-wise to a certain degree unless you, the element of your success just overtakes that. Somebody like a John Jones or a Tiger Woods even, right, where they're not that cool in front of the microphone, but the totality of their success takes over. Um, he's never going to be that big, but... Again, he does have a window here. I mean, look at the potential fights we're talking for Poirier that are up next, whether they're the kind of fights he has to take because of the guys who are next in the rankings, like the Oliveras, the Chandlers, or whether he can end up getting Nate Diaz himself in a pay-per-view main event or end up doing the trilogy with Connor, or end up... Uh, dude, you could name so many fights in this division, a rematch with Gaethje. There are so many huge opportunities here for Justin Poirier to find out how far he can go star-wise. Like, Luke, this win, to me secured him maximizing his potential in this sport, right? He came full circle, but commercially, he's already overachieving in a lot of ways. Let's see how far he can push it, and you're going to have to keep winning to do that, but it's out there. MMA it's Fighting's Jed Mishu, last piece on this, Ed, MMA Fighting's Jed Mishu had a, um, had a tweet suggesting that there's no one more deserving of this moment than Dustin Poirier, and I agree, but it's, it's, it's worth reflecting on why, because... There are lots of people who train really hard, maybe just as hard as Dustin, to be quite honest with you, who don't ever achieve this. Part of the reason, though, why I feel like he deserves it is, one, he did the work. But two, and I bring this up, and people, I don't think, maybe they don't, maybe it's not that, maybe it's not that much of a point, but I feel like it is. Dude, you just never hear anything bad about him, not even whispers. No. He never has conflicts in the gym. He never gets arrested for drunk driving. The cops are never showing up to his house. His tattoos aren't even offensive. They're, they're pretty damn cool. Some of them are pretty pretty good, actually. Not all of them. Some are kind of bad. But, again, everyone has good tattoos has bad tattoos. Um, but to your point, there are just not many guys in the game who, who play by the rules, who had to fight the guys he had to fight to regroup. All killer, right? Just monster after monster. And he did it piece by piece, hard as shit every time, never got in trouble, never had a USADA flag, Never had to put out a statement about anything he did. It's hard to win at life, BC. Right. Being the good guy, doing things by the book, and he did it. I know. I know. I would know that, Luke. All right. You know? Dude, you are. A, I know you cheat on your taxes. <laughs> uh, Luke, I was going to say that if, if the future direction of this show goes, and look, the documentary canvas probably picked up some of the dark tension and the stuff we're working through here this weekend, but if you get impeached from this podcast one day and I go searching for Canadian replacements, would you at least pardon the tattoo artist that worked on uh, Amanda Hebus's dad's tattoo? No, because, guilty as charged. Because I still think that you owe that family an apology. For no, I, dad's really sweet. Uh, my dad would never get a tattoo like that, but doesn't make the tattoo good. That's a Not separate cool. question. Not cool at all. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, so now it leads us to, I think, one of the bigger questions, if I may. Point number two here. Conor McGregor, this is a real crossroads moment for him. He loses in the second round to a former rival, foe, but certainly an opponent uh, who we're now saying is an all-time great. You okay. jumped the gun on the, uh, on the rundown, Luke. This is a, this is a your problem. Oh, I, I fucked this, this up. Not a, this is not a Jay issue. This is not a... Yeah, this is a Luke issue. Yep. You know what? I blame Jay just the same. <laughs> put a pin in that. We will come back to you. You can see it there on the rundown. I apologize. Okay, BC, I know you put out an article yesterday on CBS yes. Sports. 
So with this in mind, we'll talk about McGregor in a second, although he is part of this conversation as well. We have a great moment here at Lightweight because Chandler needs an opponent. Who's next for Poirier? Diaz tweeting that he wants some of that Poirier uh, smoke. How about Doe Bronx becoming Leon Edwards in this? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. Okay, so let's start with the matchmaking process. Start with Poirier, maybe McGregor next, and let's work our way down through the rankings. How do you see the next stage of the matchmaking for this division? I think what Dana White said after this fight is correct. The next fight to make for me is Poirier Chandler for the vacant title. It's Now, just interrupt real quickly. He didn't express a lot of interest in that. I'm going to get to that. Okay. So just on its surface, right, it's an all-action, awesome fight. It makes sense from this standpoint. Is Charles Oliveira more deserving? Yeah, he is, Luke. And I get that side of Dustin Poirier's reaction and saying, I've, uh, you know, I've been there and back in this sport. I've had to earn it so much. You're bringing in a guy off the streets from another organization. You're going to give him one win and cut the line. Well, here's the deal. That one win's pretty freaking awesome. He knocked out Dan Hooker in the first round, somebody who had gone five rounds with Dustin Poirier, who is, you know, screaming with title potential, uh, yet kind of keeps flipping wins and losses on the, on the elite level. But uh, also, the UFC put Chandler in such an incredible spot to succeed. Like, they put him up on the podium. They said, we're going to give you a really tough matchup, but your debut is going to come in the co-main event of a Conor McGregor pay-per-view with the potential of a win lifting you to maybe a Conor McGregor pay-per-view fight for the title. I mean, there was no better prop-up attempt to make, say, Chandler, if you're the real deal, show us at 257. Um, Luke, he knocked out Dan Hooker, did a backflip off the top, and then caught pro wrestling promos calling out every big name. Like, at this point, he did everything you asked of him and more, and he's still probably a little bit more marketable than Charles Oliveira. I think that's the fight to make. What I don't understand mm. is Poirier's sort of extreme stance against it. It's a little get, weird, right? Okay, I get the structure of what he's saying, right? This guy didn't really earn it. And he, in Poirier's credit, he said, Oliveira earned it. I'll fi- I, you know, I would fight that guy next. This is, shows you Poirier's not chasing pay-per-view buys. I mean, he's chasing the right things. But with that said, dude, he made four to five references of why he doesn't think he should fight Chandler next, why he won't fight Chandler next. And was it me or did he kind of infer in the post-fight press conference that he's almost like, if you want me to fight Chandler next UFC, here, take the belt. You know what I mean? Like, I've already done it. Why, why so serious? I get, and honestly, there were, there were fans who are, uh, sort of echo what he was saying as well, that like, okay, Chandler did great. I mean, what could you say about Chandler? Like, everything, that, to your point, that was supposed to go well about it did. But that Oliveira's done more work and Oliveira's been in the trenches. I mean, yes, to a degree, I think that is certainly true. Uh, in certain ways, unambiguously true. On the other hand, it would be to me a bit of a waste where you've got a champion in a rival organization that comes over with all of the questions, all of the doubt, and he aces the test like that. If it was close and even like a dominating decision, you, I could still see the case for Oliveira. And in some ways, that would actually be more of a proving ground because you would have had more tape. But to go in there against a the guy with the – and even uh, Poirier mentioned it to Brett Okamoto. Dude, even Poirier was like, uh, that was impressive because Hooker's a durable guy. I threw everything at that guy, and I couldn't put him away. And Hooker's a motherfucker. He's a super motherfucker. And then for a guy like Chandler to just ice him in the way that he yes. did, yes. I think you have to reward that, op- that, that level of achievement. I think you have to reward – I said it before. We said it on Saturday night. Dude, the UFC did this one right. There's a lot of times they do it wrong, but they did this one right. They signed the guy when it was the last but still good remaining opportunity to do that. They promoted the hell out of him, even though he didn't have the fight, by putting him on the Fight Island thing, and he's talking to John Anik and blah, blah, blah. And then they book him in a fight against someone who was, we thought, going to be a very tough test for him. And he blew the doors off that guy. 
Now is the time to strike I with mean, that. He, he turned into Peter North. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it was never ending. Okay, right? he did not have sexual relations with him <laughs> and then and then jizz a lake on top of him. But, no, yes. but, but look, like, the only questionable handling, again, was not putting at the very least an interim title on the main event because they did put Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee one time with an interim title. Like, I'm still blown away that that main event happened this weekend and we didn't get a title on it. But, look, I think that's the fight to make. I, again, I don't fully understand Poirier's sort of, you know, dismissal of it because... I'm not questioning his toughness or if he thinks this is a bad matchup or if he's trying to squiggle away because that's not who Poirier is. Again, he said Oliveira deserves it more. Let me fight him. And that's, you know, maybe even a more dangerous matchup in a lot of ways than Chandler at the end of the day. But um, for them being friendly, Poirier and Chandler, and there's footage of them backstage hugging and, you know, pounding and stuff, it, it was just a little bit weird. But I still think that's the right way to go. In fact, I don't think there's a chance in hell they're going to do Poirier Oliveira. I just don't think that's what the UFC would do next. At this no. Point. No, I certainly don't agree. I think so. Then that would mean Charles Oliveira has to fight Justin Gaethje. Look at the of the people here. coming yeah. in off of a loss in the lightweight division. I think Gaethje is is holding the most uh, cards. You know, what I mean, he he's got the most retailable uh, retailable value. I don't know if that made any sense, Luke. But the point is retail value. You know, he didn't suck as bad as we think he did against Nurmagomedov. He was maybe one leg strick away from putting him in peril. I don't know if you saw that. Well, you but, are um, committed to that. I, I'm going down. I'm titanicking that, okay? Yeah, Near, far, helpful. wherever I am, okay? Um, but I do believe that, you know, his wins leading into that. This is the guy right now, and Luke, you and I have said it a million times. You can almost take any two in the top 15 here, and you're like, holy shit, that's a badass matchup. Uh, Oliveira Gaethje is a freaking badass matchup. How upset would you be? If the UFC made Poirier Diaz next for the title, I wouldn't be upset because I get it, and that's what they do. And there is part of me that believes that they they effed up the handling of Nate in the aftermath of the two Conor fights. Like they just straight up have effed it up, right? And uh, but you would really like to have seen him come in off a win. That's why of the you know the fights I booked on the CBS Sports story, I'm like, hey, if you need Nate Diaz to get a fight at 155 and you need it to be credible enough where it would warrant him getting a title shot next, maybe put him in there with Paul Felder. I don't know if he's going to win it, but that's the type of fight where you're like, Nate Diaz, Paul Felder? Okay, he kind of earns it right there. Going right to it, Luke, would feel bad. Wouldn't make me feel as bad, though, as Dan Hendo at 46 getting the Bisping title shot. And by the way, he almost won the damn fight. But uh, It was close. But uh, that, that, that was really uh, kind of... I'm going I'm to read you some names to me what should be next. Dan Hooker. Uh, Kevin Lee. It's a crossroads opportunity. We don't know. Did, did, did Dan Hooker retire on Saturday night? If he put the gloves down, did he I don't retire? see independent and subsequent confirmation of that, so I t- tend to feel that that was just a really hard moment for Maybe him. Maybe he dropped them on the way out and didn't realize it. Could be it's that. possible, okay? Or, um, yeah, listen, I'm sure he was feeling quite bad about it, but I would love to see him reconsider. He's 30. I'd like to see him take some time off, but isn't Kevin Lee the perf- future UFC champion? Kevin Lee, the future fight, the, the perfect fight to kind of find out the answers of both of the guys that we need, right? Uh, RDA. Uh Give him the most unheralded guy in the division. Not Do Bronx, but how about Fajeda? Is it Carlos Diego Fajeda? Yeah, he was very good. Who is on a, what, at 35 years old, he's on like a six-fight win streak. And no, he doesn't have the knock Including your... submitting Anthony Pettis. And he doesn't have your not, the knock-your-socks-off type wins, but the Pettis one was, was pretty damn awesome. Um, I would love that with RDA, and I think Fajeda still has an uphill battle, even with a win there, to get something huge. But if RDA wins that... You could see him getting a really big fight. I mean, you could see him doing RDA McGregor next. It's in play. I personally would book what you said on Saturday night, which is uh, McGregor against Tony Ferguson. I, lo- it makes, I, I really think that's the fight to make. It makes so much damn sense. It would be fun as shit. It's kind of the perfect fight to eliminate the loser from the title picture moving forward. Would you be upset if they did 
What I, the reason why I'm not answering these questions is because I don't even know what to do anymore when they right. make fights you, like this. You're, just, you're, a, you're a little bitchy on predictions, too, but we, we, don't, we don't hold that against you, right? You, you, do, I mean, you've you, got a, you routinely You've got extreme it. gas from fast food. I just live with that, Luke. But the, the point is, oh, though... Hold on, well, let me ask a question, which is, if they did, if they did the, the trilogy, so they did Poirier-McGregor 3 immediately, that's the next fight, and that one's for the belt. It's shameful if they, go to, if they would go right to the Poirier-McGregor um, trilogy right now. You, McGregor just got knocked out. He got not, and it wasn't a flash punch. He got beat down and knocked out in a fight that he was kind of winning and having moments. Sort of. He's just he's just not deserving of a of a title fight right back like this. So, again, could I put it past the UFC to do it? No. But the point is, I think McGregor would have to fight a Ferguson or even an RDA. Luke, that was the fight that never happened from UFC 196. Right. That's a pay per view main event. I mean, McGregor against anybody next is a pay per view main event. We're going to get specifically into him next, McGregor, in terms of his future, but. Those are your two options right there, and I think he can beat Tony, and I think the RDA one is actually a pretty pretty good match. Last but not least, Paul Felder. Um, I had thrown out there Nate Diaz as a fight. Um, They're not, Mick. He is not fighting Paul Felder. Paul Felder's sitting at eight. Nate Diaz is going to fight the guy at eight? Well, if they're, if they're grooming him to go right into the, the title fight with Poirier. But you don't th- so you're saying that you don't believe Nate Diaz would need grooming? Uh, I think Nate Diaz would absolutely need grooming, but whether Nate Diaz, just knowing him and his people... They're not taking a fight with Paul Felder. Do you think the UFC would make Poirier Diaz next for the title? And say, I think and it's say in, F you Chandler, basically. You know? I think it's in the realm of possibility, yes. If Chandler does not get the title fight next, who do you think he should fight? Is it Do Bronx? Sure. Yeah. Damn, that'd be a that'd be a that'd be a fucking sick fight. They're all sick fights. They're, it's this is the one thing about matchmaking right now. I like basically all the ones you came up with, but honestly, it's hard to go wrong. I mean, you can make fights now that don't make as much sense as other ones. But you can go in a lot of different directions than, than BC or I are going in. And I'd be like, yeah, those are all great fights. Like, it's so much potential at the top five, top seven or eight of lightweight right now. It's ridiculous. I'm getting hard thinking about all of it. All right. Well, you just made the show awful. Let's go to point number three. All right. This is the one I was supposed to do. Uh, you know, I was messing it up before. But Conor McGregor, I think, you know, maybe he's at a crossroads. Maybe he's not. I mean, that's, I think, debatable. But this is an interesting moment. Is the Conor McGregor mystique gone? And here's what I mean. Two of his last three fights in MMA, he's lost. Three of his last four, technically, if you count the pro boxing match. He did a lot of losing he's done inside combative sports recently. And more to the point, BC, I asked you a question, and you you answered it, I think, correctly, which was, is this win for Poirier going to do what it did for Nate Diaz? Now, there are some differences there. Mm -hmm. That was shocking and really out of nowhere. Nate took the fight on last-minute notice. We all know the story. Plus, you know, the Diaz brothers have this kind of cult following that I don't know if Poirier had exactly the same, and so he's a little harder to market. And that was like a validation of the Diaz brothers sort of anti-establishment thing being, you know, graduating. Right. I mean, Conor McGregor took everything I worked for, and he was fighting with with the UFC just prior to that to the RDA fight. We've been over when we did the retrospective on Conor's career. So for all those reasons, I think that's true. But there's another reason why I think it might be true, which is that is it as big of a deal now to beat Conor McGregor? Not really. Not really. Um, Well, moving forward, now it won't be. Certainly. Well, I mean, again, it's still going to do wonders for you. But the question for you is this, BC, is the mystique gone? What does it say that beating McGregor, while still impressive and uniquely important, no doubt about it, doesn't mean the same thing that it used to. No, it doesn't. So look, in the aftermath of the fight, and obviously your analysis, your reaction to things can change. 
shocked by that knockout. Not that it wasn't possible, but just, again, that moment of seeing McGregor down, you're now recalculating everything. And what I took in right afterwards on HQ on this set when we did the MK Reaction Show is, you know, I thought McGregor got beat by a better guy, and that's still true. Like, let's not waste too much time talking about McGregor when this is Poirier's damn time. Right. He got beat by an all-time great guy who figured him out and came around after a slowish start. Um, I was, you know, look, McGregor won the first round. You go back and watch that fight. He... He had Poirier rocked at one point. In fact, Poirier in the post-fight press conference said, you know, I was really one punch away from being stopped in that sequence. I was potentially, hurt. Potentially. Potentially. I was hurt, and maybe McGregor didn't realize it. Um, so I thought, you know, look, he's not as good as this version of Poirier, but could he go back to the drawing board and get consistent and take a bunch of fights in short time? There's still time. He's only 32. But, Luke, we went back to your room, and this is not the, you know, the, the plot line of an adult movie here. I'm not going down that road. I'm saying that. We rewatched the fight. You rewatched it twice in a row while we were sitting there. And the more I rewatched Connor in there, the more I just had a different tune, Luke. Um, you know, not not over dramatizing this, not trying to give you some giant hot take here, but I think the the sport has passed Connor McGregor by. Um, it, it's permanently not, or for not right now. Permanently, there's still he's still young enough at 32, and you know, still has the certainly a, a default level of hunger that that again has defined him, right? I just don't think he has maybe the right amount of hunger to, to, to catch up to where he lost. The inactivity we found out in the end, um, you know, if he was in there against somebody that would have gone down with those left hands, and by the way, a lot of fighters would have. A lot of elite fighters, I even think, would have. We may not have had this discussion because McGregor could have gone in there and had a little struggle but then landed that left cross, and you're like, holy shit, he's still got the power. I still think he does have the power, but I think when you specifically go back and watch everything from the footwork to the mannerisms to really the remedial level in which he reacted to calf strikes, which, yeah, is something that wasn't as prevalent the last time this guy was consistently active. Um, you know, it, it feels like it has passed him by, and with the, with the totality of the money he's earned and the fact that, Luke, it's hard to recreate that passion and intensity that you have on the original climb up the ladder. And as you and I talked about it, when he got to this point after beating Aldo, he leaped he went from here to here, you know, with the combination of the of becoming a two division champion, with the Mayweather fight, with the whiskey, with the throwing the thing through the window against Habib. I mean, he got to a level that is just like off the damn charts. He doubled, tripled, quadrupled his, you know, uh, dynamic, marketable potential. I mean, he went all freaking in. I don't know if he can ever come back. And you can make the silk sheets, you know, analogy, and you can do all that. But um, I don't know if he has the 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 time hunger combination focus to get himself back up there because again we, from the beginning we were never really talking about a complete fighter we were talking about a fighter who leaned into his strengths of striking and getting you out of there early and I think that it, it might be too far so that doesn't mean he can't win big fights that doesn't mean he's yeah. not going to be you still, in you still think he can win in the UFC he can on the win matchup. in the UFC depending on the matchup he's just a powerful guy who goes after it but I think you're going to see him in more competitive all action fights, and I think he's going to lose against the super elite more often than not. I mean, here's, a, I think, what's going to be, we don't know, but we're, we're trying to give our take here and our guess. Here is one possibility I think worth taking seriously if you're a Conor McGregor fan, which is that to BC's point, whatever ability he's got right at this moment, it's still enough, I think, to beat some pretty good lightweights, maybe some welterweights, depending on the matchup or whatever the weight class is. Right? We saw him do it against, you know, Cerrone not too long. I mean, he's still going to hit you in the first round, right? He's still going to find your chin. He's got big power. He's got good accuracy, all those kinds of things. So for that reason, he deserves to be taken seriously. It's not, that, it's not the issue. But here is one thing you really have to kind of just maybe internalize a little bit. One of the bad things that happened to Dustin Poirier 
in losing to Conor McGregor was how embarrassing it was and how thorough it was and how quick it was. But the good part about that was he was, what, 25, 26 years old? He had time to pick himself up, dust himself off, and have the commitment at age 25, still that burning passion, to recommit himself to getting better at his craft. And by the way, it took a long time. Each one of those stages is developmental. You're never really done mm-hmm. when you beat Diego Fajeda or Joe Duffy or you know on the Jim Miller and on the list. He had to get better and better and better, which means he had to recommit and recommit and recommit. And doing that in your 20s when you still are burning with passion to me is, I won't say easy, but that's the right time to do it. It's certainly the easiest time to do it. Can you do it at 32 after you're rich, famous, and you've already conquered two divisions before? Do you have it inside of you to recommit? Because he was talking about that leg kick from Poirier like he had never seen it in training. He had never felt it before. Like, like as if he'd gone through this point of his MMA career and no one had hurt him that badly to, right. in the legs to where he didn't know how to adjust. It's like, like it was sorcery. Once in a while, you'll get an elite boxer who can go up through the ranks, be undefeated, win big fights, and then not actually get hurt. And then the first time you see him get hurt, they don't know how to clinch. They don't know how to do anything. He had that reaction to that. It was, right. it was startling. And you might be saying, oh, well, he could definitely commit to the rebuild. The rebuild might, is... is the rebuild is in some ways harder than the first build because you've already done so much. Do you have the fire and, frankly, the time to put in to get back the time you lost? We talk about it all the time, BC. If you're St. Pierre or you're John Jones, yeah, you can take a little bit of time off and come back and still be dominant, to a degree anyway, over your peers. But that, that, that is reserved for just the very, very, very all-time Mount Rushmore greats. If you're not that... And by the way, 99.9% of fighters, including Conor McGregor, are not that. If you take time away, man, it's, you're, there's, there's going to be a bill to pay. Yeah, and you may say we're, we're being harsh to McGregor here, but like, we're comparing him to a level of eliteness that like, very few you can make that comparison. He's coming back talking a big game. He looked and said all the right things coming in. Right, right. Every, I said heading into this, he's going to have no excuse. He made, he put he made, everything he made 155? He, had, he put everything he had into it. But yet again, rewatch that fight a couple times. Everything he had, while yes, facing a true elite in all timer against Poirier, it looked like, and I think that's why the McGregor's mystique lower third is so apt. Uh, it looked like he was living off the legend. And there's a great line in uh, the '90s movie Beautiful Girls when Matt Dillon looks at Michael Rapport and he's like, you know, be careful what you're saying. The legend will still kick your ass. And yes, the McGregor legend will still kick some ass, yes. even up to and including the elite level. But he's still living on the legend. And I don't know with some of his limitations that were foundational of not being a well-rounded fighter if there's still time for him to get back up where he's legitimately competing with the pound-for-pound best in the sport and beating them, that window I think is closing or, or has closed. Yeah, it's either, it's either closed or it's closing rapidly and the time to fix that uh, is not certainly on his side. You know, you can, you, you can say, oh, you guys talked a, a, sh- a lot of shit coming in about how yeah. good McGregor was going to be. Again, we had a small sample size that we were – trying to take all the facts that we had in the moment. Sure. And that small sample size is not going to carry you through the evolutions of this game. You know, again, it's not boxing with Mayweather coming back after a year and a half and the sport's still relatively the same. He's just got to be focused in and top shelf shape and ready. It's a little bit more than that. And I, I don't, I don't want to make it clear. People are like, oh, well, if you, can, you know, if you can achieve the heights he did before, what's, you know, it can't be that hard to do it again. I would really caution folks against thinking that. Rebuilding is the hardest part. Ask Dustin Poirier, what was harder, to get to the Conor McGregor fight, the first one, or to get to the second one? And the second one, the rebuild, so that he could find himself back on top. 
Dude, look at what he had to do to get there. It was a climb of Herculean proportion. Can we also high-five Poirier for how he came back from that, that Nurmagomedov loss? Like, again, that like was his bro. moment to build up 25 minutes to make all things right. This is my time. I made the full turnaround. And then he dropped, you know, I don't want to say he laid an egg, but he got dominated by, by Nurmagomedov. So, and by the way, if he still fought Nurmagomedov, he still would get dominated. There's no denying that. But but the point is that could have crushed him, and he would have right. he could have easily said, you know what, I'm now just a veteran, also ran. I'm going to go back. I'm going to cash a few checks, but I'm going to get out of this sport. Instead, he went back to the drawing board and went and had the same hunger. And it's like, I love the band Pearl Jam. I know you do too. Correct? They're okay. They've had an incredible career, meaning they've kind of stayed true to themselves, but evolved in the right ways, and they're still an incredible live act. And you know, all their albums, there's really no like. Shit stain. It's all pretty good. Yet at the same time, Luke, they will never, ever, 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 ever be able to write an album as good as 10. Because you cannot reproduce that passion that comes from, I have nothing, but I feel like there's something inside of me, and I'm going to fight until this art comes out of me and the people understand it, Luke. It's probably why nothing will ever be better than this show right now during this season of this show. So you better get geared up for the documentaries because we're capturing it in the moment. But Luke, the passion to share this art. As soon as my art's done, as soon, oh, you as, as, soon as it's out of me and the, and the pictures Dude, have been... so overplayed. My God, quit doing it. All right, uh, with Conor McGregor's mystique, we'll see what happens. Everyone I know is like, oh, you're selling him short, you know, blah, 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 blah. We'll see. If he goes up there and, you know, he was saying it's a level of inactivity. I do think the inactivity probably did not help. I, I certainly yes. can understand that conditioning-wise, and I think conditioning your body to take the kind of damage. But also, he just looked to be, by the, by the big, fourth minute of the second round, he looked to be a step behind Poirier, and that happened really fast. Um, He's got some work to do. And you give him credit, by the way. I always give credit to Connor for how he loses, but he goes right to what was wrong. He's such a student of who he is and preparing for a game that he knows after a loss exactly what was wrong. Which and means it was in his mind ahead of time, too, by the way. It didn't just dawn on him at that moment. He, had, but, but he probably a, had some fears about but here's it. But the, 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 here's why we might be past a certain line, Luke, because it's one thing to know what you did wrong, like after the first Nate Diaz fight, and still have it in you to fix that. I don't know if he still has it in him to fix what's wrong. He can still diagnose it. But it may, be too, too, it may be too late, Luke. We're going to have to see. All right, which brings us now to point number four. We did not get to this at all on the post-fight show, so now is the time, BC. There was the, uh, well, the Amanda Hebos train came to a screeching halt, but you know what? Marina Rodriguez, good for her, dude. She looked phenomenal. That win was, hell, she won twice in certain ways, and that's what I wanted to talk about was the Herb Dean non-sort of stoppage there. What happened? Okay, so if you guys didn't see, Rodriguez drills Hibas, drops her, and is beginning to follow up or landed a little bit. And Herb Dean looks like he's going to come over to stop it. And then as soon as he gets over there, he actually does not pull her off. Kind of just like tiptoes around it. I think bumped into him a little bit. Yeah, he kind of took the teabag out and shook it in front of them, but never went with the, you know. And uh, so Rodriguez stands up, walks across like, hey, like I won. And then Herb Dean, this was another thing. It wasn't like Herb Dean said, no, 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 keep going. He waited until she turned around. He just looked at her like... She's still there. I didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Anyway, so Rodriguez goes back across the cage to Amanda Hebus, clinches with her a little bit more, fires off a few more shots, and elbow, elbow on the right. Was, that elbow was pretty And Rodriguez just, or excuse me, Hebus just stood there and took it. She didn't know where she was. And then he intervened. Okay, fine. So the right person won. All's well that ends well, I suppose. How much is Herb Dean to blame for that situation? Uh, Herb Dean's 65% to blame for that. 
I do want to throw another extra 35 at Marina Rodriguez, though. You do, you, you, you have to fight until the whistle or fight, you know, like we, we say in basketball, you got to, you got to, Luke, uh, fight until the referee is pulling you off of the other person. So that was sort of Rodriguez's fault to just assume that's where we were at. Herb effed up Rodriguez, though. It's like, who's at fault for the Floyd Mayweather Victor Ortiz ending, Luke, at the end of the day? Victor Ortiz, right? At the end of the day, he's at fault. I mean, his hands were down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was a little, little bullshitty, but, you know, a little question of morals. Yeah. But at the end of the day, his hands were down. So at the end of the day, you got to throw some at Marina and be like, um, he didn't actually stop the fight. He came close. He, he was basically squatting on you, but he didn't actually stop the fight, all right? Yeah, I mean, okay. Rodriguez, the, the rule is keep going till the ref pulls you off. The referee did not pull her off. In fact, the only time he pulled her off was the second time she went over there and was bombing on her, and then he really physically intervened. So Rodriguez standing up and walking across was premature. I can at least acknowledge that some blame goes to her. Fair enough. Dean went in there to see if he was going to make a call and then rethought it at the last second. I understand, again, the job is not easy. But, you know, they do teach referees to make decisive calls. You're going to step in, effing step in. Here's one thing I did not see from him. Uh, again, maybe he did it and I just couldn't tell. He did not seem to me to say to Rodriguez, you know, or to Mandari- uh, Hibas. One thing that they commonly do before they eventually physically step in, they say, fight back, fight back, improve your position, improve your position, show me something, show me something. He didn't give any verbal commands. He just kind of watched, and then he tiptoed over and almost fell on top of them and then let them go. Do you think MMA needs a safe word? You mean tapping? <laughs> I mean, like, I, quit? Uh, I mean, do, do you need something from the referee to scream as he's coming in? But, to- dude, they're supposed to do that. So the, the, at least the person who is getting bombed on has a chance to say, I heard the referee and I was able to make a call as a consequence. Yes, yes. You didn't have any of that here. Yeah, you're right. and, and she li- reacted as if he said, stop, 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 stop. But, you know, it seems like he didn't. So. And we're living in a world where, you know, Dan Hardy put up that huge video going through a collection of failures of Herb Dean's stoppages. Now, to be fair, if you wanted to, like, have a report card on any referee, you could find some bad ones. Yeah, ask virtually- Colby about Mark Goddard. Right, but and then blaming it on Brexit, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, that was just sad. But okay, uh, uh, you know, how representative that is of the larger overall truth. Do you think Herb Dean's a good or a bad referee? I think he's among the best, among the, among the two or three. You're not bothered best. by what happened here at all? No, he's going to have moments here. He's kind of screwed up here, yes. But again, uh, the fighters got to fight until they are being pulled off. So it's, it was her fault that illuminated his error. He made an error. You know, he's more to blame. But, you know, she kind of made it a lot worse. And, uh, you know, at that point, there's really not much to save it. It's a sort of a shit show. Like, hey, guys, you're still fighting. Still fight. It looked bad, but uh, you got to share the blame in this case. Um, Don, so, what, wait, wait, okay, just to clarify, what is it he got wrong in your mind? That he from, didn't, a, from, that, a, from a procedure standpoint, that he didn't what did he follow wrong? through. That he showed, you know, that he showed two-thirds of the, of, of, the, of the attitude that he's about to finish it without actually touching and screaming, right? I mean, he came as close as you can. Yeah. He showed it, right, Luke? I mean... It's, I would have liked to see him give verbal warning, yes. which he didn't. And then when they separated, he didn't say shit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the part of that is Rodriguez just sort of assuming that Herb Dean's on top of me. That must mean that the fight's over, you know. Hey, by uh, the way, speaking of referees, even though Dominic Cruz was way off going public with those comments on Keith Peterson that time, to Dominic's credit, though, do you think there's a chance that Keith Peterson does smell like hooch and uh, bitches at the end of the day? Why are you being so weird today? This is, like, abnormally weird. You don't usually have this many... Family guy, 
twist-offs at the end of a conversation. You told me this morning, BC, I know you don't have a lot left. I know that there's, you know, not Yeah, but you're left, forcing it. Not left in that tank. Can you just spill that tank all you're, over? You're, Can you spill your sauce it. all over this? It's a little much, dude. It's a little much. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull it back, Luke, okay? It's a little, just a little know, bit. I, I can go home right now if that's what you want. No, no, no. We need you here. But, you know, <clears> every <throat> single point doesn't need to be about your, your dick and balls. All right. I mean, you know, do you, um, do you tell Miles Davis to, to go from a... No, you're you know, not Miles Davis guy. I got terrible news <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, okay, so last point on this about referee Herb Dean. I don't think it's the worst stoppage he's ever made, not even by a long shot. I do wonder if there might be an argument to be made that, you know, is there some level of reputational review that is in order here given the accumulation of what appears to be often late stoppages? Remember, Dan Hardy made that big compilation after that really bad stoppage he had on Fight Island where uh, it was super fucking late. The guy had to come over. It was a Masaranduba. Yes. Francisco Trinaldo had to come over and just fucking really belt the guy. Um, I'm, a I'm a little bit, I think it's worth acknowledging that there are some issues at play here. Who do you think is the elite core of the moment? For it? It's still, I like it's still Herb and Goddard, right? Uh, I like Herb and, uh, no, Goddard and Jason Herzog. Jason Herzog yes. to me has really elevated his profile. Now, Leon Roberts had a really bad stoppage in the Aldo versus Peter Yan fight, no doubt about it. Oh, God, that was... He, he <laughs> fucked that up. But after that was over, he took himself out of the refing circle for that uh, trip and went home because he just wasn't in the right frame of mind. So I like his uh, accountability there. I do think when he's at his best, Leon Roberts is an excellent referee. Yes. But to me, I'm going to go uh, Mark Goddard and uh, Herzog. Those are my sort of top two. Did Josh Rosenthal's career never recover post-prison? California still uses him, but I'm not sure He doesn't get the high often. assignments, right? I don't know that he does, yeah. yeah. Well, high might be the operative word there, but I love that guy. So, I've reached out to him many times for an interview. He's always declined. I would love to get one. All right, moving on to now we, the, the fifth point. We have six of them today. Usually we only have five. Um, just a sort of an overall note, BC. UFC 257 had a lot of top performers outside of the main and the co-main. Why don't you shout out someone? Who else on that card, prelim or otherwise, really stood out to you with a strong performance? We are, we're obviously talking about Marina Rodriguez. Well. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, the, the women's flyweight bout between Jessica I and Joy and Calderwood, I, I don't think it was competed at, at a super high level to the standpoint of like, you know, yes, JoJo needed that win. Yes, she gutted out that win. Yes, that was a competitive brawl. I mean, it was kind of fun as shit. Uh, so I'm not, but I don't want to overly state what it was. It puts her back in line to get that title shot that she had earned in the past against Shevchenko, but lost it when she stayed busy against Jennifer Maya. It was a gamble she took. Luke had failed. She came back and did exactly what she had to do, go in there against a ranked person in Jessica I and bite down and be willing to brawl. So it's not necessarily a standout performance, but yet Calderwood went through, went through the mud and did what she had to do to win. And because of how narrow, how shallow this pool is, I believe Andrade deserves the next chance at Shevchenko. But I don't know if anyone else has a better chance after that than Calderwood after this win. She's still got a pretty damn good resume in terms of defeating contenders heading into this. Certainly does. Uh, for me, I would go... There's a few different directions you could go, but I'm going to go um, Armin Saryukian. Now, the problem with Saryukian is that he is not he has not polished his finishing skills, um, whether that's with striking or taking dominant positions on the ground, finding his way to submissions. He is a guy who is built to win rounds, which is, by the way, not the worst thing you can be, but I would like to see him work on that. However, 24 years old, dominant physical presence. He did miss weight, so he needs to fix that, but that's been something that is not to my knowledge, plagued him throughout his career. It was just sort of a mishap here. And then on top of it, to go up against a guy like Frivola. Now, Frivola was overmatched, but you had to make an opponent switch at the last minute. Dominated him with the wrestling. Dominated on a position. He looks to be a very serious prospect. 
made his UFC debut against Islam Makachev and still fought pretty well for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, and then beat Davi Hamos, you know, which is also pretty impressive. So he's got some work to do. Like the lack of finishing or really getting to, you know, even close to finishing is a problem. You can win on position, but, you know, he's been in three-round fights. Well, that's a five. good win, though, considering the chaos of what happened to make that Totally, win. totally. So I thought that was extremely impressive by him. And at 24, he like we talked about Poirier, 25-26, not even a loss here necessarily, but he has time to really build on his craft to get the most out of himself. I would like to see him try to do that. Now, I was very impressed by by the way Juliana Pena gutted out that win yes. um, against great Sarah wrestler McMahon. Sarah McMahon, in which that it looked like McMahon was on her way to winning on the scorecards for grinding out Pena, and to have the patience and ability to, to move herself in a position to get that submission was great. And then I did like the spirit of the guts and the balls that she showed afterwards getting on the microphone and so brazenly calling out Amanda Nunes, but... I love it because that division's shallow, and Pena's been sort of waiting for this moment. You know, right. as we talked about heading in, she's had losses, long time off. She's had, she never capitalized on the original uh, sort of promise that she had. That's a great win. I love calling out Nunes, but saying that the lioness is scared of her, and then Amanda kind of, you know, tweeted out and ripped her, and people were like, you know, how scared can you be when you're two and two in your last four? And Amanda's like, you know, scared. You did, I've been waiting for you to come into contendership yeah. so that this is viable. But you did, She's like, you didn't even make yourself a contender. But still, uh, for how shallow that pool is, once again, I mean, it's basically women's straw weights are nothing else in terms of uh, deep divisions here in the UFC women's game, but she she's looking good. I mean, that's a division that... Still want Aspen Ladd to come back from injury and see if she can get make a title bid, but there's really no one else jumping through the roof, right? That's gonna that's gonna get ahead of this. I mean, it's really not out of play for Pena to be in this conversation. And also, it's like, what do you want a contender to do? They're there to rattle the cage, and maybe you feel like they're overmatched. Okay, maybe she's overmatched, but she doesn't feel that way. If she keeps winning, I mean, they might just jump her to the front of the line, depending on how the division's going. You know, but this is what you want. You want a contender who has self-belief. You want a contender who makes noise. You want a contender who pleads their case. And in this particular case, dude, like, she got derailed there after that Shevchenko loss. Her whole, dude, I remember when she won the Ultimate Fighter. Remember she had beef with Rousey? Yes. And folks were talking, like, you know, she keeps winning and keeps she moving up. She gave great interviews back then, too. She, totally. She was very kind of crazy in the interview. To be honest with you, she was coming out, like, talking shit. Like, and and she, there, were, there were people talking, like, oh, maybe she'll fight Rousey one day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's, you know, completely off the table for a lot of reasons, but... This was the first time in a long time where you felt like, okay, dude, Pena might be back on track here just a little bit. She was physically overmatched, we can both agree, but she was able to win because she was in good shape herself, and she was just tactically and strategically better over the long haul. She found ways to win that fight um, in impressive fashion, and that was a solid, solid victory. McMahon, though, I think is having some issues late in her career about, she's, she's like Rex Grossman, big arm, but a lot of interceptions. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll give her credit at 40 for, for being that tough. And, I mean, she was in position to win that fight. She's in, in phenomenal shape. She's still a tough out. I, I was ready to con her out, but I think she can still fight, Luke. It's interesting. Uh, who else jumped out on that? Uh, Brad Tavares had a nice win over Shoeface. Yes. He was gone a while. Um, by the way, Eric, shouts to Eric Nixick. He, uh, I think he cornered Dalka Lungiambula, who has the biggest traps I've ever seen in my fucking life. Um, he cornered uh, Punahele Soriano. And Brad Tavares won all three. So Eric Nixick, a great coach. Shouts to him. I think he was with uh, B.J. Penn in the uh, parking lot, at least on the last one, right? No. He, B.J. would have won if Eric Nixick had been there. Uh, sadly, outside the Lava Shack, there was, there was no Eric. Um, that's a real bar he fought outside <laughs> of, dude. That's, every time I say that, it's like, damn. Bro, did he get is... taken down in that fight, too? Or did he take the other guy down? I don't know. It, it's I mean, just sad altogether. I've yeah. seen better fights in Home Depot. Yeah. Um, anyway. <sighs> So, shouts to Eric Nixick. Those guys at Extreme Couture, they do good work. And, uh, uh, you know, there was a bad loss, though. The Khalil Roundtree loss, 
Yes. That was a bad loss, man. That that was not a good performance. And I saw Billy people being like, the judges were fucking blind. Yeah. Okay. He won the second round. Everybody Fine. on my Twitter is on. I had it for Roundtree. That still doesn't solve that this was a bad loss altogether. Yeah, the no. part was, the, okay, Roundtree dropped him in the second, so fine, he wins the second. First one could have gone either way. Maybe you thought Roundtree won it, but it wasn't a crime. But you're facing a guy who's fresh off of three losses by knockout. Right. And who's kind of just squaring up and coming at you, and you run out of gas as he's walking you You down. had to know that if that fight made it to the third round, Pracneo knew if you lose a fourth fight in a row in the UFC, you're gone. Yes. You're gone. And so he fucking fought for his contract, basically. Uh, and he did. And, and Roundtree just lost. Uh, also, Nick Lentz, who lost to Movsar, who's still undefeated, by the way. Movsar Evloev. Nick Lentz retired. Did you see this? I did not see that. He announced that he had lost a shitload of vision in one of his eyes. Did he leave Dan Hooker's gloves in the center of the cage? I don't know if he took his gloves or somebody else's. But he had said that previously to this fight, he had lost some vision. And they was like, you know, he got some repair work done. But it knew it wasn't perfect. But just wanted to see one more time. Could I yeah. see one more time? And he was like, fuck, no, I can't see for shit in this eye. <laughs> he says he's lost 40% he vision. He's coming with rec specs, you know? Remember those? In the, in like you're playing racquetball at the yeah, Y? Yeah. Uh, maybe. But he was saying that uh, he's lost 40% of his vision in one eye. Damn, and he that's, was, that's the reality of the fight game. Right and right he right. was like, I, I just can't. I can't yeah. win uh, like this anymore. Hey, so. res- respect to fight. Dude, seriously, respect to these freaking warriors, Luke, who, who got through some of this stuff. That's crazy. You know, because you help. We saw this when we read the Spencer Fisher story and kind of reacted to it here, but... You get to a point late in your career where I've only made a certain amount of money and I want to leave some type of stamp on this game that I've given my life to and I want to try to max them out whatever paydays are left. These guys make some hard decisions in those moments. And, Luke, that's where we have to step back as, uh, you know, basement keyboard warriors and be like, holy shit, these guys are tough as balls, you know? Um, I agree. I certainly agree. All right, last point. Thank you for not no-selling that. I'm not no-selling. People got so bitter can we explain to them what I'm trying to do? Well, Luke, but let's be honest, though. In the history of us hanging out, Luke, very often I tell you a long story while you're just like, big bouncing Latino booty, big bouncing Latino booty. And I'll be like, and I'll first end, of all, and you, I'll end this personal story. First of all, do you think story, your stories are better than big bouncing Latino booty? But I'll booties? end this personal story with a question, and I'll be like, Luke, Luke, and you'll be like, yo, what? And I'm like. Okay, first of all, you think you're doing art. Most of your stories are inane and dumb. Second of all, uh, I fucked up, but the key here is what I was trying to do was Dana was speaking at the time, and I was trying to get what his responses were in real time. I should have paid more attention. I was trying to make this a conversation. I apologize. Okay. I sh- you, listen, you got to do what you got to do, so I'm trying to be shorter about looking um, so that next time I'm a little bit more tuned in. But also, your stories are often very dumb. Just a reminder, most artists had to die or at least remove part of their own body yeah. to, to, for people to find out how great they were. Oh, I'm not looking necessarily. That's why I don't care about this debate between us. Well, I got so many subscribers and Twitter followers. BC, you should probably be doing this. Yes, on why would you ever use metrics I, to measure I'm really anything. waiting for, for death to be the ultimate sort of announcement of the art that I put out there. I'll make it now. We'll, we'll, we'll put it on ice. We'll yeah. shelf it. Eventually, Luke, one of these days, people are going to find that. But, real, you got a real martyrdom complex there. Um, by the way, did you know, I didn't know this until I went to Amsterdam. They don't pronounce it Vincent Van Gogh. You know how they pronounce it? No. Vincent Van Gogh. Like hard. Not like Gogh. Gogh. Super fuck. Every fucking time I had the, because I had that, the, I had the your earphones. your own face right there? I had, I, had the, I had the earphones on to go through the exhibit. When Vincent Van Gogh <laughs> was 17 years old and fucking. And fought Brock Lesnar. Um, I will Brock say. Brock Lesnar. Look, people thought. Here's the deal. People, some, some people think this is bullshit, this documentary. It's all acting. It's pro wrestling. Dude, it's fucking real, okay? I mean, we have, It's not real. 
Dude, it's a lot of acting. No, we had a lot of fucking issues this week, okay? Uh, uh, behind these cameras. They made right? you eat acai and Nutella under the covers. I mean, could you be more fake? I was preparing for the for the fight night with art. Anyway, my whole point is, Luke. People thought there was a. They thought they picked out like like as if they're playing Operation. And they know I found it. I got it. I got the thing. They found a real kernel of realness in our room service diaries when you and I both looked at videos of ourselves from just two years ago. Oh yeah. And we <laughs> we were a lot thinner. Oh, and we're they're so like, fucking fat. So like you fat. could see it in BC's eyes the moment that he noticed how fat he was. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's so, really um, sad. It's, it, Again, Tupac, it's time. It's time for us people to make start making, making some, some changes. changes. All right, my wife's making me come back to like a meal plan. I'm going to turn. I was on a good around. meal plan, but this week was a mess. Go back and look up that video of your boy, Big Beige, with the big brown on below the uh, beneath the belt with uh, with Brent Schaub and, and Luke. I, I'm going to get back to that thin, yeah. and when I get there. I'm gonna go back on below the beneath the belt. All right, let's do it. Okay, Brendan, get ready. I bet right? you are gonna go beneath his belt, you fucking <laughs> All right, last. You think this takedown defense is still there? For you. Uh, all right, last but not least, point number six. BC wanted this included. I don't think it's that big a deal, but he did. Dude, you're such an a hole. You're like, let's talk about which UFC 257 undercard people impressed us. Oh, but this Ryan Garcia, Manny Pacquiao blockbuster pay per view. Who blockbuster cares? Blockbuster pay per view. All right, so you spoiled it. They are appearing to fight each other, but the news came out even just this morning. The cart's a little bit before the horse. Tell us why you not think that, it's... Not that far. So here's the deal. Uh, it was an incredible pivot, and Luke called it out for Manny Pacquiao, who was looking for Conor McGregor to win on Saturday, and they were looking to make that fight, and Conor even He said, tweeted Conor right before the fight, and then after the, the fight, you could tell he was like, mother fuck. And Conor, in one of those post-interviews, did say that that fight was supposed to be... He even kind of alluded that it might be next, and that it was already signed and ready to go, and then now it's off the table. Pacquiao pivoted to Garcia, and even though Garcia tweeted or Instagrammed out that... The fight was essentially done. You're seeing reports from um, ESPN uh, Deportes in Mexico that it's not official, but they're really close, and it's looking like September. Now, September is not the ideal time for me, who's excited as shit for this fight and the potential of it, Luke, but maybe if they're waiting out the idea of live crowds, maybe they're going to get creative here, maybe they're whatever. Either way, this is a surprise. This is a gift. This is freaking awesome. This is the type of fight that... That bo when boxing's not shooting themselves in the foot, when they take a guy who might have next but is a little bit too early in Ryan Garcia against a guy who's... Didn't you tell me yesterday you thought fucking Pacquiao I, was going to annihilate him? Can I get there? Against the guy who, we're not sure, may still have a lot left in Pacquiao, and there's so much at stake from the, you know, the, the, the passing of the torch. But, Luke, a lot of times when we do this, the old guy is basically selling his name. He doesn't have a lot of chance. What makes this fight so potentially amazing is that, yes, right now, I think Pacquiao's going to knock him out cold. I think Pacquiao's going to Ricky Hatton him. Yet I love the balls. Garcia's, bit, Garcia's taller and longer, but he's going to have to move up two weight classes. Luke, this is how you become a star in this sport, what Ryan Garcia is doing. Again, this is a dangerous-ass fight for him. And he's like, I'm going to move up two weight divisions. I'm going to take on Manny Pacquiao. I'm 22 years old, and I'm going to try to maximize right now. Luke, if he moved up two weight divisions to beat this version of Manny Pacquiao, who, yes, he's 42. Yes, he hasn't fought in 18 months. But he's coming off a win over pound for pound, unbeaten Keith Thurman. Dude, that's like, he's going to get there in terms of the stardom. Okay, like, let me a couple that's of points going here. after the damn A couple of points. Brass, well, I'll believe uh, it when I see it. Let's see, let's, see, let's make, see if they make the fight first. With a lot of this bullshit in boxing, it's like, oh, two guys or names are attached to each other, and then the fight never happens. So let's see what happened first. Second of all, they're talking about doing it in September. we got to wait nine fucking months for this fight to happen. Let's, I mean, Let's Jesus do a three-month media tour. Let's blow this shit up. All right, fine. And third, here's the other part about it. It's like, okay, if 
fight against Pacquiao, I'm not going to poo-poo it for the reasons you articulated. But am I really going to say I'd rather see this than a fight against Devin Haney? I'm not. Do I want to see this over a fight against Tank Davis? I don't. Do I want to see this over a fight against Teofimo Lopez? I definitely don't. This is very much what boxing does, which is, okay, I know what you want. Boxing is the king of the Christmas gifts you never asked for. It's like, uh, okay, I know you wanted a bicycle, Timmy, for your birthday. Here's what I got. Ready? I got a skateboard that's got the Barbie logo on it, but it is useful for getting around the neighborhood. It's better than nothing. Is this open mic night at Caroline's? What are we I'm doing? Not, I'm not doing open mic night. I'm just telling you, this is what it is. It's all the Christmas gifts you never asked for. It's all the stocking stuffers. It's like, okay, it's fine. It's great. It's better than nothing. But this is definitely not what I Luke, asked. Can for. you allow yourself to have a boxing erection? Can you just can you can you find a phoner down make deep in a there? Fight and the black parts of your soul. Can you pull out a phoner? A fight that people actually have asked to see. Luke, this is a how gift. hard is that? This is something you didn't think you would be getting. I don't. Because I, I'm, Gar- not, I'm not asking for this. Does Garcia have to move up with a somewhat questionable chin against super elites? You think he'd he's have to move up to weight classes? Fight? Really? Yes, I think. You think so? I do. The kid's got balls. Okay, I believe he is adventurous. This is not the same level of intrigue as he would be if he was fighting Devin Haney. And you know intrigue? it's not. It's not. It's not. Dude, Devin Haney does not move product. I love him. He's going to be a star. I don't give a shit. I'm telling you what fights I want to see, what fights are in demand, what fights are most important. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be honest This is not here. more important than I'm, him fighting I'm not Devin trying, Haney. I'm not trying. See, we've, we've come closer this weekend, not farther apart. Yes. I'm not trying to, 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 you know, like that episode of Oz. Remember when the guy shit on the guy's face? I'm not trying to do that. I've actually not seen Oz. Oh, spoiler. Is it good? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's aggressive. Rough. It's yeah. rough. It's real. It's raw. Uh, but I, what I was trying to say, Luke, is um, you would really rather see Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney than Ryan Garcia moving up two weight classes and taking the plunge against Manny. You would Why really do you think them. he's taking the uh, – is it – okay. Why do you think he's fighting Manny Pacquiao? Give me the reason. Opportunity. Okay, what does that mean? You become a star if you go in there and knock out Manny Pacquiao. Right, you so are the reason why he's star. fighting him is the paycheck is bigger and then the upside for visibility is bigger. He's not fighting him because it's a better, it's a more relevant boxing fight. Luke, he would be favored to be knocked out, and you know this. Probably, probably. But although CBS's Brent Brookhouse is, is back in Rye Guy, he thinks he would stop is that Manny. Right? Yeah. yeah, because he is young. I mean, look, we thought Oscar De La Hoya was going to knock out Manny Pacquiao, and it was a buzzsaw through Oscar. Different situation, but we might be surprised here. You know, Rye Guy might just come in there and blister him, but. You, you see him getting flatlined, right? Uh, potentially, potentially. I'm just telling you, this is what boxing does. It's like, we know what you asked for. No, this we is still we pretty damn good. We didn't, we didn't get you that. Here's the consolation prize. No, this it's is the, like, you know. They're the, they're the king of door prizes, of stocking stuffers, and nothing else. It's really quite annoying. You're trying to say, it's like, I know you ordered the handjob, Mr. Kraft, but we'd like to go up the backside, too. Yeah, this no, is no. where you're here is, here is what they do. You go to a restaurant, you order steak, they bring you jello. You're like, you know what? I don't want to argue with the waiter. I'll eat the jello. I'm hungry. It's fine. Motherfucker, I did wow. not order jello. Luke, I wanted uh, a steak. Your at mentions are going to be a boxing graveyard if there was actually enough boxing fans to which, get your notice. Which, yeah, which, which are, coincidentally, there's not. Uh, which is why Luke didn't want this in the show, even though it's a massive. Massive story, but what do I know, Luke? I'm just By the way, uh, you know, M-, M Morning Combat, no context, they retweeted me. Do you think your stories are better than big bouncing Latina booties? You have to reconcile with that fact. <laughs> you have to reconcile with that fact. All right, enough of that. It's time for when you guys get to ask us questions. It is time for DMs from Donks. <laughs> All right, let's move to this, BC. Here we go. Are you in a hurry? No, but we're a little bit behind schedule. Not, not much. Will you do a shot of this? In your coffee, maybe? Uh, I'll do a shot of it in your face. All right, from Dak Atman07. How much potential future revenue did Dana White lose by Poirier beating McGregor Saturday night? I am almost sure 
Dana had a map plan for McGregor had he secured. <laughs> Almost sure? Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch any of the footage of Dana whispering he, sweet He looked like he the... was attending a wake. Did you watch the footage of Dana all week parading? Nothing to see here. Habib's not going anywhere but back into the cage. Uh, yes, they lost a lot. That's why in the, in the post show on late Saturday, I did say, like, what do you think Dana's immediate reaction was? It had to be sadness. I mean, he's pivoted nicely. The division will go on. There's going to be some great fights to make. Again, you can still refurbish McGregor to a certain deal, but you are not getting Conor McGregor, Habib too, where McGregor's fresh off a knockout of Poirier, which is what we kind of predicted and thought might happen, which is why even though Habib gave you every indication that he's not coming back, you still had to leave off some element of can Dana literally be like, I will make the rest of your life happy if you just take this. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I mean, they lost out on a ton. The yes. return of Habib, the, the return of Habib was always an incredible long shot. Now it's basically definitive he's not coming back. More to the point, it's, it's great because you boosted what you had in Poirier's resume as, and, and visibility and star power certainly took a, a dramatic jump. But that comes with you know what's left for McGregor. This is why I'm saying, I don't know who he's going to fight next. They might do the trilogy next. I don't know. They need to think long and hard about their next fight because if you don't get that one right, you know, McGregor, we talk about Poirier never losing two in a row as like a sort of a sign of his perseverance. McGregor's never lost two in a row. Uh, well, if you count the if you count the boxing and then 229. Yeah, we don't count that. But not in MMA. He's never lost two in a row. If you start getting to that territory, four of your last five fights you fucking lost. So that's, that's why, bad. And that's why, you know, a conversation we did have on this desk Saturday night was how many losses in a row, even under the guise of competitive elite, you know, facing the elites, right. would McGregor allow his brand to dip into? Is he going to be one of those guys who doesn't care, turns into a Roy Jones and is like, dude, I just love to fight. I'll fight in, you know, wherever. You know, I'm 38, but I just love to fight. Or is he going to be a guy that, that maybe loses three in a row and is like, dude, I got I to gotta put the go. I got to try to put whatever's left of this genie back in the bottle and walk away now. It will be interesting to see. Yeah. All right, from at the real K Carter, what do you guys think was in the mystery bag? Yes. I think it was an IV. Talking about the uh, Atman Azatar guy who was scaling the balconies. They had some mystery bag. Uh, the guy got cut, but there was someone delivering something to him. Dana didn't seem interested when the press... I thought the press asked good questions in the post-fight press conference. Again, no questions about the Dana four-minute video dropping an Oz-sized shit on all of us and all of them in, in, uh, by proxy. But they did sort of push him, and Dana's like, dude, I don't care what was in the bag. And then they were like, do you think that maybe you can prosecute uh, Azatar or even the guy who supposedly jumped four balconies to give him this. And Dana's like, no, 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 cutting them is enough. And, you know, it's up to the Abu Dhabi government and all that, which I guess is is a fair statement. But he didn't seem to want to, you know, conspiratorially eyes frame this, Luke, conspiratorially frame this, drop a load of conspiracy on this, Luke, um, that there was something in there. Was there roids? Was there... Um, Sex workers? Was there blow? What I mean, what was in there, Luke? An IV? Had to be more than an IV. Streaming instruments? Had to be more than an IV. Sandusky's VHS collection? What the hell was so important? Why would you bring that to Abu Dhabi? Good Lord. All right, from at Rob underscore brands. Who should be happier about Chandler's win? Dana for having the investment payoff or Coker for getting validation for his roster? Got to be Dana. Right. Yeah, yeah, Dana for having not only the keen eye. No one's going around today and being like, wow, Bellator must be so great. I mean, it definitely makes them look better than the alternative well, you look, see. Coker, but got, Coker and company got a little tip of the cap when they, yeah. you know, when they said former Bellator champion in the cage and they right. promoted this big. But Dana took a chance, and again, Dana didn't take him and put him in a fight night co-main event against the number 11th ranked lightweight to find out if he's good. You know, like they were like, no, here's Dan Hooker 
and a possible title shot if you win, as we talked about earlier. So if Dana made that commitment to this and the guy hit a freaking home run, Dana looks like a genius. I mean, just ask yourself, who gets more out of Chandler now? The UFC where Chandler fights or Bellator where Chandler does not fight? Yes. Right. The answer is going to be UFC where Chandler is fighting. And the fighting. crazy thing is this division did not need him. It's already a gratuity, a, you know, a spoil of, uh, of riches here, and yet he may end up being the champion for all we know yeah, in the end. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Know? Yeah, this, I mean, yes, it certainly does not make Bellator look bad in any stretch of imagination, but UFC is getting the most out of the current version of Chandler, uh, to be quite clear. Do you, like, do, you, do you give Chandler a puncher's chance against Poirier, by the way? Sure. I, I don't think you would favor him, right? You would not favor Over him. the long haul, no. Uh, Poirier is just too experienced, but Chandler is a motherfucker early, man. You lose sight of that, you're in trouble. And by the way, people are like, you know, oh, well, Poirier is durable. He is. Michael Johnson finished him at 155 in the first round. If he can do that, if Poirier is not minding his P's and Q's, yeah, dude, Chandler, Chandler can, Ch Chandler's ability to set up his big punches and his takedowns has grown rapidly. Has the rest of his game, you know, I think that there's still something locked in place there from, you know, who he has been for a long time. But his initial foray into his offense, dude, he's been working on that. And that, you folks are forgetting, he changed stances on Benson Henderson and hit him with a side that he didn't see coming. Yes. Now he's going low and then high, and then and then he's skipping the timing in between. Like, dude, he has gotten way more sophisticated. And I would with that. say, even though it was a limiting thing when when older Dan Hendo did it with the H bomb, I love the cocking of the right hand. You know, it's it's very much you like, like seeing it down here. It's very you? it's very manly, bro. To just it kind is. of be like, I'm chasing you with this thing, and I'm going to hit you with this thing. All right, from Cookie Toss Boss. I don't even know. I want to know what the fuck they do. <laughs> Who does Diaz have a better chance against? I'm assuming he means Nate. Connor or Dustin? Is is Art Art? <laughs> you see what you have done? You have dumbened our audience. Uh, That'll work. Diaz has a better chance against Connor, Luke. Let's be honest, right? Diaz has a better chance against Connor. Yeah, I think Dustin would because fuck him up. Because Dustin's a more complete fight. Look, there's something I said coming into this fight, and people made fun of me and stuff. That you know, Poirier's a he's a better fighter than Connor coming in. You know, Overall, he, yes, he's he a is. better, more well-rounded guy. And if they had to actually fight on a, on a, on a you know, give and take, I would prefer him again. But I thought Connor was going to have enough to buzz him early. Um, it proved right. It proved that, you know, Connor, except for the Connor having enough, Connor came close. But the reason why Poirier won that is because he's a more complete fighter. And um, he's a more complete fighter than Nate. Yeah, I mean, how would you, how, in your mind, how does the fight against uh, Dustin and Nate go? I don't know exactly. But I, I like Dustin's chances coming in as a favorite. I like him to be able to, to I mean, look, the angle's on his hooks. We were watching that fight early and saying, you know, that right hook could be key for, for Dustin Poirier, the way McGregor's darting in. I mean, I think he can land and, and probably cut Nate early, and it's going to be up to Nate to really try to make that a fight to try, to try to give him a chance in it. But I think if you're telling me those two are going to stand and bang, kind of like Poirier right now. His boxing Also, is, like Jorge Masvidal, I think, you know, who's a good training partner of Nate's, excuse me, of, um, what am I saying, of uh, Dustin? Dustin, yeah. He would probably have a lot of insight on, like, what worked, what didn't, what things to look yes. out for. Also, the leg kicks of Dustin. I mean, do we have to have the same conversation about Nate to, a de to the same degree of Connor of, like, all the inactivity and stuff, the game is just slowly passing him by a little bit. He's still going to come back on the legend. He came back against Masvidal, lived on the legend of being tough well, he as came balls. Back, he came back and beat Pettis, too, remember? Right, but even in the Masvidal fight, he lived on the legend of being a badass. That's why even in a largely one-sided fight, there was a lot of people who were like, man, I would see a rematch. He was coming on. He was but Because the legend, bro, all right? The legend could still kick your ass if you're not careful, Luke, but the That's legend, right. you can't live on that, Okay. Like, one day you're going to live on the legend of Dissected. It was a great franchise, but it's dead, Luke. we got to figure something out here, all right? Not my fault. All right, last but not least, uh, from D. Hager 
J15. Dylan Hager, fantastic guy, one of our long-term listeners. Could right? the NFL have booked a better Super Bowl than Mahomes versus Brady? Dude, we just had that talk. Yeah, we did. Yeah, they fucking, they lucked out. So the first time in NFL history, the home team is going to have uh, the host city. So it's going to be in Tampa Bay. You've got Tom Brady there, the all-time great against Mahomes, who is, to me, the best player in the NFL. He's the basically. dynamic, young, future Brady of the, of the future. Returning champions. And he's the defending champion. And he's and it's Brady, first year on a new team. Look, when, when this happens, right, when Johnny Unitas went to the freaking Chargers or when even Joe Montana went to the Chiefs for those two years and they were really super competitive, but they didn't get to the damn Super Bowl. I mean, this is insanely impressive. People freaking love Brady. This is central casting the way it played out. I hate Brady. Okay? Central casting. I know you were cheering hard against those bills because you – you kind of have a thing against middle American tough white, right? That's that's yeah, not your. Except the except it's fucking. That's not where the Bills are from. They're not but from they, middle they America. Ex, they exude the passion of, of Omaha. Basically. No, they exude the passion of the fucking butthole of America. Anyway, you didn't want the Bills in there as you know. I didn't even really want the Bills in there. You know what I mean? F Canada, right? You know, and and look, uh, that's. I mean that you want to bring as many eyeballs as you can from the TV. Come CBS whenever the date of the damn Super Bowl is. Uh, company man here. Yeah, this is the right. This is the right damn matchup. Right? Yeah, I mean, you call us with the case that like would have been better if you had the Giants versus the you know New York Giants versus the Rams or something. Two huge markets. Okay, maybe. But you got the defending champs like with the most one of the most dynamic players the game's ever seen against this uh, old fraud called Tom Brady that people seem to like. I don't quite understand why. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great. Who's who's again? Host city never happened before. Now, look, if you found out that 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 Tom Brady's maternal grandmother was Colombian, would you change your tune like a fraud, Luke? Would you suddenly no. not announce it but secretly start to protect him? No, but if like his wife was, I'd I'd have to you know I'd have to I'd have to bite my tongue, bro, okay. a little bit. You know what I'm okay. saying? Okay. But that's too far away. That's too many. That's too many relatives in between. You know. Okay. Uh, okay, with that being said, BC, it's time on the show where you introduce us to dumb shit. Yeah, that's what we do here. So you know this this segment, right? It's really the best thing going in combat sports. We 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 scour the globe, Luke, for the good and bad, the highs and lows you in run combat the sports in the back. and beyond. It's called. By the way, this is the first time we're going to watch this in a while, where we're going to be talking in the same way at the same time that the the events are happening. Remember Usually, that. there's a Remember delay. That. No delay this time. Amazing. All right, Luke, here we go. It's UFC 257 time. Luke, what was more dangerous? The potential for injury in Michael Chandler's backflip off the cage after stopping McGregor or the amount of COVID that was passed around by those celebrating? Luke, watch COVID, closely. COVID, 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 COVID. I mean, he nearly blew up at me. And watch these white guys just all kinds of COVIDing each other coming up here, Luke. All right? Look, look, look at these guys. Pull that mask. I, I, know. I, love, the, the, I love this shit. It's like everyone in the arena has to wear a mask. You're all taking your fucking masks off, and none of you are social distancing. Like, can we just call it what it is? Like, this shit, I mean, you know. So you'd rather attempt that backflip than hug those guys in the crowd, is what you're saying? I would rather jump into a pit of cobras than being with that fucking crowd. All right. Uh, speaking of UFC 257, uh, middleweight Andrew Sanchez gave us a hell of a stanky leg dance. You see this on the undercard here, Luke? Yeah. The result of your guy, uh, Murak, uh, Murada? Bob, 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 what's the guy's Bob, name? Bob, Bob, what's the, the fellow's name who landed this punch? Um, uh, Mahmoud Muradov, yeah. Muradov. Oh, shit, player. That Luke, ice is slippery. To be honest here about stoppages and stuff. If a fighter does this in either boxing or MMA, do you think the fight should be stopped right there? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But you definitely look at Herzog. He's, Herzog's doing the right thing. You know, he's like, ah, uh, take a nice, close look. Because it's possible to recover after this. 
But if they hit you with this bomb and then like a follow-up bomb, you know, at that point, you might want to just close. Very reminiscent so. of that uh, weird Britney Spears interview on like 2020 that time where she was like crying and then out of nowhere, the, uh, the uh, MK Ultra kicked in and she went back to like full brainwash mode and started like laughing and giggling. You know that interview I'm talking about. I don't. All right. Well, speaking of Andrew Sanchez, Luke, your thoughts on his fighting mullet? I don't. I'm not one of these. It is what I understand. Does everybody know that if a mullet is ironic, it's still a mullet? Like, I don't understand how that's supposed to, like, nullify it from being awful. All right. I mean, look, it, it still says something in the fight game. It says you're reckless. It says, you know, you're Mike Pyle. You know, you may live in a double wide, but I'm still fighting in this cage. Yeah, know? but it's sort of, I mean, it's sort of like, listen, you know, it, it's giving in to, like, what the cauliflower ears tell you about yourself. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I've got cauliflower ears. I might as well just let everything else go. You think which, it's like you don't have to a, do that. When they cut a tree in half, if you count the rings, it'll tell you the age. Yeah. If you look at a man's cauliflower ear closely, you can see the story of his life, right? No. And also, I just don't, I mean, can we stop with the mullets? Like, there's no, they're not funny. Like, they're just, it's just a bad, you just have a bad haircut. That's All it. All right. Showtime Championship Boxing for Mohegan Sun over the weekend. The co-main event, Ra'is Alim at 122 pounds, dropping and stopping a very Watch tough Watch this punch. Vic Pasich. Wow. Vic Pasius, Victor Pasius going down here. Luke, it was the third knockdown of the fight. Referee stopped it right there. Um, we're going to talk more about this main event later, which blew us away, but big win for Aleem there, the beast. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. You were talking a big game with Vic. I did not know much about him, and then parries the shot. Wow, what time. Dude, here's one thing that you see the best MMA fighters do, and certainly, obviously, a good boxer will have it no matter what. Their timing on their punches, like you go, run it one more time, Watch the right hand, not this one, watch the right hand timing off of the left here that Alim lands. Watch. There. Damn. It is, the window Damn. is so narrow, and they get it every time, dude. It is a the, the, the Bud Crawford one that he hit on what's-his-face recently. Um, who's the last guy Crawford fought? The Brit. Kel Brook. Kel, Kel Brook. Uh, and by the way, Alim was the underdog in that fight. Was he really? And he's a 30-year-old th prospect. He was the dude who was working in the grocery store for like six That's years. That's crazy. He, he's talented. He's Love talented. that. Uh, Luke, it's obviously this next guy does not live in glass houses, or maybe he's just super powerful. Check this out, Luke. <laughs> it's like, I went to Best Buy to just go get some AA batteries. Uh, I mean, what do you do? Do you walk away at that point? You just like. Here's also the question. Do you feel like Shaq after breaking the backboard? <laughs> Or is it? Are you just a goofball asshole? Which one are you? Look, I could see you doing this. I could see you like, and it's not your fault. You open them at the right way, and they Bottom. hit, and and they're like, "Sir, uh, did you get your gains?" The best, there? the best part is he was definitely had, you know, he probably had, had earbuds in listening to like Final Countdown. Boom! Oh, fuck balls. Hey, Luke, our street fight of the week. You're going to love this because a white guy gets sent to hell. Check out this Asian security guard taking no BS. Manich, play that shit. Didn't we there watch this go. last week? No, but uh, but there's versions of this uh, every week. He elbows him, right? He, uh, he just does not want to hear the slobbery bullshit coming from this kid. Hey, hey. My oh, oh, good God, Luke. KO yo, yo, those balloons did not break his fall. Woo, where is that? Um, somewhere where whites getting slept by security yep. is not unusual. One more time for this. What, what do you think the conversation is right now? Dude, hey, hey, <laughs> I have my wallet in there. I'm a, this is you, Bob. Luke, some would say that was Japanese MMA getting me back in that video. You know what? There should be a meme about yeah. that. There should be a meme. You got torn up for that shit. Uh, Luke, your favorite new segment, Scorpion King tryouts have returned for the sequel to the movie. Check out this guy. Uh, he, first of all, he caught this big fish. 
And then the fish pulled on his dong and he get, oh, 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 that's payback right there, Luke. You want to end this fish life? See if what can kind get of fish you. is this? I don't know, but he got payback in a big way. Look at this. Bark. Oh, shit. Yikes. My spine can't walk anymore. But Luke, really, the best scorpions are done by drunk white women. Roll the tape. Here we go, Luke. You and I should probably try this next uh, stunt after a couple drinks. What do you think? Oh, ladies. It always ends bad, right? You know, again, they're white, which is... They want to show off their flexibility. <laughs> and I like how it was the hefty one yeah. who landed on the other one. That looks like a pro wrestling finishing move right uh, there. All yo, right. how's that fucking, what is this? This is a late spring donkey fucking yoga you guys are doing here? Look, what you is ever this? try to take a public selfie and like somebody walks right in the middle of your shot and gets in the way? Check out this dude by the water. He's had a couple... Um, uh, he had a couple pops out of those white cans coming in, and then this boat just comes right through his party, Luke. I mean, come on. This is this is me having a conversation, and here comes you talking about your balls. That's, they should meme this one. Luke's like, hey, let's talk about elite lightweights. Guys, I haven't masturbated in five weeks. No, this is actually like me texting my wife this week about important life things, and then I get a text from Luke that pops in and overwhelms the conversation, and it's just a big, big booty. Got that big, big. I don't, just, I've never had another man mad at me for sending him uh, uh, women twerking. You sent me some graphic bullshit, some some third world adult film. I don't need to see that, okay, Luke? Thank you. Um, Luke, jumping into 2021 like this guy, you gotta be careful. It's not been an easy year for anybody so far, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, uh, first of all, I mean, you know, listen. He is white. He's white. I mean, this is dub T. <laughs> Hold on for just a second. <laughs> this is the Mona Lisa of white trash right here. You're Ooh. jumping off the roof. You've got the grass yard with a car parked in the back. Look, right there. He thought he was going to bounce off of that into the pool, Luke. He has a trampoline next to an above-ground pool. And they grew up under power lines. Look at that, And Luke. they grew up under power lines. Oh, and they're God. droopy, too. My man's got droopy power lines. <laughs> All you needed was a hound dog scratching in the back with the, getting the fleas <laughs> off. This is my people at its lowest, yet best form. Guys, not Colombian by any means, Luke. All right. Woo! Okay, Luke, people wrongly think that we're all about nothing but drunken fails in this segment. Not true. Check out this good news moment featuring a young girl finding out from her rich dad that she was gifted a new car, Luke. Check out the reaction here. This is a beautiful moment in upscale white families, Luke. All right, you did so well on your... You got an Audi? You did so well on your college exam that I'm just going to give you an Audi because, you know, you don't party a lot. You're, you just, you're fantastic. Right, Luke? I mean, this is... A, this is a, what the fuck? She, she was still drunk from the night before, Luke. She, she opened the door to celebrate. She was like, oh, thank you. Why am I feeling so dehydrated? Dude, and she's rich, too. Look at that. That's a big-ass paved driveway. Oh, I got yeah. the ribbon on the Audi. That's a nicer car than I've and ever owned. And she passes out face first right into the front uh, seat. Oh, oh, oh. I thought she was barfing. Oh, bop, face first. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually Ashley. She works on our show. That was from her, uh, yeah, tough tough break there. All right, nice Luke. Nice car, Ashley. Let's go over to uh, Full Contact Karate. Look at this guy doing his uh, crane kick. Oh, God. Going all kinds of uh, Andy Silva on... Uh, that's me and diarrhea every morning. <laughs> are you saying when you wake up? I know, up, people it's... were like, dude, why are you chugging the Pepto-Bismol? I'm like, listen, you don't understand the struggles. Yeah, you're shitting blood while eating bacon, right? 
Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Luke, you got to be careful because, uh, uh, you know, cutting down trees because the tree is a, is a living being, right? It's, it'll give you a little bit of payback if you... Oh. Oh. <laughs> Bob. Oh, that's got to hurt, Luke. Oh, yeah. and he's got the... Did he let go of the chainsaw? Bob. Oh, oh, he almost could have chainsawed his face Yeah, off that could have gotten bad. He got lucky there. Ooh. Oh, I mean, he'll never have children, but that's that's incredible. All right. Hey, Luke, let's go to some actual art. I mean, are we art? That's up for debate. How about this guy yeah, doing art? art? Check out this guy's painting. This is um, Killian Art. That's cool. With the four kings of boxing from the 1980s. Cool. Duran, Hagler on the top, Hearns, and Leonard on the bottom doing the little... Uh, the Kings, I love that. I, I would pay a lot of money for that. Man. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to that man right there. Uh, drunk moment of the week comes from this Eagles fan, Luke. Fly, Eagles, fly. He's he's seen better days, Luke. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> look, look at the look at the beer. Oh, that is just. That is. Uh, you know what? God bless the people of Philadelphia. You're. I hate everything about your sports teams. Yes. But you know what? My man was, and he's still drinking the beer, down for the cause. <laughs> Have you ever seen that scene in Ghostbusters when, like, when the Bill Murray takes the tablecloth and yanks it? Yeah. He's like, the flowers are still standing. Love it, love it. Hey, Jim fails time, Luke. Um, These are my favorite. This is a, your wheelhouse completely, Luke. Check out the motivation in this guy. The, oh, oh, Jesus. The ambition, you Luke. Oh, idiot. Oh, oh. You fucking idiot. That's dangerous. You, what is he trying to do, Luke? So he's got uh, basically one of those things you jump on. He put a bumper plate on top of it. Then he's got a Bosu ball, which he has upside down, and he's trying to oh. land on it from jumping from his feet. This gentleman is a fucking idiot. They took a Bosu ball in the balls, Luke. That is, yeah. Oh. Bop on the back of his head, Damn. too. All right. Uh, hey, Luke, how about this weightlifting move? I don't know if this is real. I don't know if this is impressive, but I'm impressed. What the hell is going on here, Luke? So he's got enough weight. These are, this is for a uh, lat pulldown. Is that zero gravity weightlifting? No, he's got enough weight so that uh, he, can, he doesn't need to sit in the chair. And he can then use his lats to pull it um, where he just sort of holds his core this in place. This man's core can fuck, Yeah, right? he's, uh, he's strong as fuck, yeah. Damn, I thought he was. this was like on like a spaceship going on you know, the moon or something. No, I mean, he's just, he just put enough weight on there to balance himself, basically. All right, hey Luke, check out this old guy on the BMX bike. Again, I had to check if this video was fake because this is so damn impressive. This has got to be like Tony Hawk when he becomes middle-aged, right? Oh no. Still got, old, no, no, old, no, this is not a fail, old Luke. Old white man, here we go. Oh shit, Grandpa! <laughs> oh shit! This is how you bang, isn't it? Oh yeah. This is how you bang yes, right here. Yes. The thrusts aren't long, but they are mighty. Yo! Dude, that's insane, right? Look at Gramps. That's not like Kyrie Irving in an old guy suit. That's like an old. No, that's a regular old dude. This guy in the '80s was probably the fucking king shit. I like his, I like how he kept the pants from the 80s, too, no less. Still got it. Uh, one more for you, Luke. Uh, that I love was a, sick. I love a slam dunk that really brings down the house, Luke. Check out this situation here. A little day. Basketball can get dangerous. Whoa, shit! Damn. Damn. Yo, man. This school got some real issues with the infrastructure. <laughs> Daryl Dalt going chunk of thunder on you right there. Wow. All right, Luke, that's the shit for the week, okay? You know? That's it? That's all you got? Yeah, some, some weeks, the, you know, 
Depends on what I've been eating. Some weeks I, I certainly get a lot. We don't of have shit. that guy who normally drinks like five beers at once. Whatever. Uh, Ronnie Deutsch. Yeah, we yeah, still. What happened we, to him, man? Love that guy. No, he's still performing. He's, he's. I mean, he'll die eventually, but I love that guy. Uh, that's the shit for the week. I hope you enjoyed that, Luke. Thank you. Uh, okay, and with that in mind, BC, we time for odds and ends. What do you have for odds and ends? Showtime Championship Boxing this Saturday had that triple header. It was more about the 122-pound division as a whole, and what a freaking victory in that main event. Uh, Cool boy Steph, I accidentally called him schoolboy Steph, apparently during the uh, weigh-in stream on Friday. Uh, yes, he did. Went the full 12 rounds with WBO uh, champion Angelo Leo in, at Super Bantamweight for that title on the line. Two unbeatens. Luke, this turned out to be a 12-round freaking war, a, a thriller in some ways. The scores ended up being wide for Stephen Fulton, but this fight was as competitive and sort of brutal as you could have hoped. Both guys came in, said they were looking to kind of steal the night, kind of steal the division and make a statement, and I think you got to give a ton of credit to Stephen Fulton. He can box and brawl, but he fought Angelo Leo's game by getting inside, going almost forehead to forehead, phone booth, and yet he almost was like savagely brilliant. There was like a tech, there was a technical base to what he was doing. Even though it was high volume, it was a lot of almost brawling. If we could show the footage, I mean, we, we should have rights to this, right? He was, is that's not the fight from Saturday. Don't we own the rights to this fight, guys? Didn't, isn't this a Showtime product? Yeah, you would think they would have it. Uh, anyway, Luke, uh, he squared up and got into the phone booth with Leo and was landing beautiful combinations, pivoting. There we go, great, there we go, that's it. I mean, look, this was 12 exciting rounds, and you want to talk about a statement that the West Philadelphia Stephen Fulton made, Luke. If you could get him into a unification fight with somebody like Luis Neri, who has a WBC Big belt. Big puncher. Big puncher. Or uh, uh, MJ Maraca. Uh, Akhmadaliyev. Akhmadaliyev. God, I cannot say that freaking name. Murajan Akhmadaliyev. Murajan Akhmadaliyev, who has two of the four belts. I mean, look, this is a fun division as it is. Schoolboy Steph, as I incorrectly call him, made a hell of a statement. Did you get to see the fight? I did. I actually watched it after the fact yesterday. He looked awesome. Uh, I don't know what's up with the cowboy hat or the rat tail. Those are a little bit unusual, but you're right, dude. He is a very versatile fighter. Um, he was willing to take on the the, the you know the, the yeah. shots coming back and just stand there. He met Leo on Leo's terms. Yes. And, uh, and beat him for it. So Philadelphia now has a title holder. Uh, for WBO, I guess, sort of, that counts, no, right? No, no, he's a legit one. He's a legit one? It's the one. WBA, which will give you four champions per division. Yeah, a bunch I of still think Akhmadaliyev is the best guy on paper that I've seen. Like, when you watch, you go, you go to YouTube and just type his name in. Watch the Danny Roman fight where he won those two yeah. titles. It was a war. It was a flip the coin when they went to the He's cards. talented, and he's wild and heavy-handed. Um, he's got an unusual kind of Russian boxing style with hooking punches. Yeah. So that'd be a fun fight. That'd be a fun fight. I still think he's the guy in that weight class, but certainly... Um, Schoolboy Steph, as you love to call him, he looked tremendous on, on Saturday night. I got to see him against Neri. Yeah, he didn't, and that was, he didn't and that was call a long anybody time out. Coming. He didn't call anybody out. Neri's PBC, to, right? Neri's PBC, and so is Brandon Figueroa, who's, who's probably the most marketable guy in this division. He's got the WBA secondary or third title. Um, yeah, some fun fights you can make. Danny Roman lingering. A lot of good stuff coming at 122. And then uh, for my odds and ends, I will say that uh, there is a, it's not officially official, but it looks like they're planning for UFC 260. To have a non-title affair, of course, between former champion Tyron Woodley and Vicente Luque. Now, Woodley, of course, Ooh. coming off of three losses. This is a big fight for him. Luque had a bad loss to Wonderboy, but has since rebounded and two fights in a row. Luque is something like 9-1 and one in his last 10 or something. Yeah, he's right? only lost to Leon Edwards and Stephen Thompson since 2016. I mean, that's pretty incredible. He's had a lot of fights Dude, since if then. Woodley is going to uh, regain, find, the, you know, find what's left of him, he's going to have to fight in this one. I mean, he's going to have to... 
You know, he's going to have to figure out if he's ready. This to- is the thing about Woodley. He's not fighting chumps. Like, he's fighting nothing but good guys, but... But he only wants to fight on his terms. Well, and, and, also, to- and also, Luke, while as talented as he is, he has not proven to be championship caliber at welterweight, which obviously is very difficult. It doesn't mean he's a bad fighter. He's a great fighter. Uh, so this is something of a step down because he fought, he fought uh, Usman, champion, Covington, interim champion, and then he fought Burns, who's fighting in a championship bout coming up. So all of them have had either titles or title shots. That's something that has eluded Luke. So this is something of a step down. So now you lose to that guy, which, by the way, again, I'm, I'm trying to be clear about this. Luke is a step down from championship caliber, but that's still a very, very because tough challenge. Because he ends up in a brawl every single fight, no matter what he does. And he rearranged Mike Perry's face, too. Like, he can go the distance. He's battle-tested. That's Ocean's daddy you're talking about. Here's the thing about Woodley. I don't know what kind of shape he's in, especially after this video got out. I guess he was in some straight-to-DVD well, movie. Do we have there this? Were, hold on. There were a lot of people who have criticized him, saying, you know, his title elite run ended when he got a little too into the TMZ show, the rap music. Luke, he's acting now, and this video has been uh, making the rounds, so to speak. Can we throw to this now and see maybe the reason why Tyron Woodley isn't the same fighter? Luke, can I get you to watch this? I've seen this. I don't know that I need to watch it again. Basically, Is that T.I.? Yeah, yeah, it's T.I. I don't know I, I don't know if T.I. actually has that blotch on his face or if that's new. Um, here's the basic premise. T.I. is some sort of, like, an important gangster and whoever Tyron Woodley is playing... Is that has, guy in The Wire they just showed? Yeah. Whoever is playing him, uh, or the character that Woodley is playing has apparently done him wrong. And now T.I. tells Woodley to walk the plank. And you're like, what does that mean? Okay, well, here he is. And there's a damn raccoon in the There's cage. a raccoon. Okay, that's kind there's of weird. There's a car in the kitchen. I thought, I thought they were going to make him, like, kill the raccoon with his bare hands. But no, they're not going to do that. You're going to see his bare ass here. That's Tyron Woodley's butt. There we go. <laughs> and he's going to, I guess, stick his unit in the face of the raccoon. This is going to end worse than the Covington fight did, Luke, right? Yeah, and uh, everyone's, and the everyone's kind fight. of horrified by this. So There's, this raccoon just Nate Marquardt him on his, on his damn dong, Luke. Yeah, this is... Um, you know, his, his commitment to the art right here, Luke, is, is heavy, right? It's this heavy. is, you know, not what I would call masterpiece theater. Um, is that Marlo Brown from um, The Wire as one of the guys there? Am I screwing up? The, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Not Marlo Brown. The Marlo guy. The damn, the damn guy. Yeah, all right. Luke, it's been a freaking long week. I don't, yeah, I'm ready you know, to go home. I don't, I don't have much more to give. Okay? I'm ready to go home. It's been a good way. It, it, it was a fruitful trip. Our, they say our room service diaries, which you and I thought was the shits. They say it's the best. I thought when it was over, I was like, wow, that was a real mediocre episode. <laughs> and people loved it. People loved it. I was like, all right, let's just keep producing mediocre shit, I guess. Um, that's really what the name of this, you know, Morning Combat. We produce mediocre shit. That's really Would you it. say, though, it's correct to frame the overall narrative of this week, not McGregor, not, but you and I, like, we had the dark tension, we had the adversarial thing going but the circumstances of the true politics surrounding this here, uh, this table, this massage, this misogynistic table, it is, it has kind of forced us to realize that we might be better off together. No, it's forced than, you to realize that I was right all along, that this phony division that you like to foment is not real, uh, and that uh, you know a lot of guys claim to work in factory towns and be a part of factory town life. Only one of us has worked in a factory. Did you tip your uh, the lady who cleans your room? You know, I've never done that in my whole life. You do that all the time? You do realize if you don't do that, they make next to nothing on their jobs, right? 
I can, you do realize, I can you call do, in after the fact. You right? should definitely do that. All you right, see, right. some of us are in touch with the plight of the working class. Others use it as a shield for ignorance. Luke, you and I have had good moments, highs and lows. I don't. I didn't. I wasn't sure if we were going to recover from that Andreas Escobar joke. I really wasn't sure. Oh, we were fine. I stepped in a in a in a bear trap. A little bit there. You got you put your dick in the raccoon's <laughs> cage. <laughs> from now on, we're going to like reference that as like the thing you don't want to do. You put your dick in a raccoon cage, and you know you got to be careful. I with do want to say thank you to our our fan base, our people, because we we put it on them, Luke. You know what I mean? We were ar- we were arting all over the screen, and they they backed it up. They 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 liked, they subscribed, um, they're buying merch, Luke. They're you know it's this kind of Hunger Games s going on because some people are Team Luke, some people are Team BC, you know. But again, you better be Team MK at the end of the day because right. Luke and I have. You know, through I guess through the counseling of the bomb shelter, Luke, we've found to, uh, ways to fix this marriage right now. So, I didn't know I needed fixing. Well, there was another. There was a. There was another man in the in the in the <laughs> who was getting in the way. Okay. Yeah. Oh right, 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 right. Yes, yes, yes. He was getting in the way a lot. And there was you know uh, there was no yes. escape from that guy. So until <laughs> now, till now. So. Uh, yeah, but no, seriously, for everyone who has, if you're new here, welcome. If you're uh, OG here, you're just as welcome. And thanks to everyone who watched. Everything from the McGregor career preview that we did to the hot sauce review to the post-fight show to everything in between. We really, really appreciate it. We have tons more coming for you. And this was something of like, this was last minute. I don't want to get into all the things we're supposed to do, but this plan came together actually quite at the last minute. But I have to say, doing the studio shows, BC, I think you agree with me, we can do the shows on Skype. In fact, on Wednesday, we have to. But there is no substitute for this. No, there's just something in, seriously in the air that 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 melds our chemistry, it raises our game. Luke, we bring it, and um, you know I think you've you've fallen back in love with me this week, and I'm, I can really appreciate that. Luke. I never okay. fell out of love with you. Thank you. Um, I just wish to have a sexless marriage with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, if you want to get some MK merch, please do. You can go to store.show.com. Plenty of stuff there. Valentine's is around the corner. I don't know if that would be a useful thing for you, but maybe hey, it would. Who never your, knows? Put your lady in a damn MK sweatshirt, okay? My wife wears it all the time. The hood loves it. Yeah, loves exactly. It. Uh, Bill and Jen of RV Adventures, or they're wearing that shit out uh, right uh, now. All across America. Yes. Uh, if you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go and do something else with your life. And we promise, at least I do, Luke, I promise never to be this fat again. Okay? Yeah, this is. This I mean, is Luke, the... your arms are ready to just incredible Hulk that sleeve right there. I yeah, mean, we got R.I.P. to the future of that sleeve right there. You're just gonna. I mean, you worry about you. Okay. <laughs> you think you can worry about me? You worry about you, big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the point being is, of course, uh, if you in the showtime. Oh, you want to email the show? Morningcombat at gmail.com. We will do. Uh, We're behind on fan submissions. We got a lot of them. We're ready to. If you got artwork, send it to us. Dead wrong, please. Dead wrong for Friday as well. We I don't think we did one last week, so we're really behind on that as well. We will get to that this week. And then, of course, one more time for the social, if you don't mind. Morning Combat is the same everywhere. YouTube.com/slash Morning Combat. Morning Combat on Instagram. Morning Combat on Twitter. Our names there for Twitter and Instagram are a little bit different. So take a screenshot and give us a follow there. If you're you own the IP on that, right? Uh, I used to. I think I gave it to CBS. I had to as part of the deal. So. What are you going to do? Uh, BC, any final thoughts before we uh, head out here and go home? I have to take a train, a midnight train to D.C. Um, I'm going to get my my orange 2020 uh, Subaru Crosstrek and uh, put on some satellite radio. Not necessarily the Indigo Girls, okay? I know the direction you think I'm going here, right? I got in the car, and it was like, here is uh, B-Sides of Cat Stevens from 1978. <laughs> you know, it keeps, yeah, it grounds me. I'm though, like, I but, would um, rather hear just the fucking roar of the air. I, I just want you people to know, our OG, our day one-ish, um, 
you've helped us get here, but like we haven't even begun to 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 bloom. When when we get back to when we get back to fights that you gotta be there, that it's safe to be there, that the crowds are full, when we get through this COVID cloud, Luke, okay, right? We are gonna change the way this game is covered. We have already changed the way, okay? You're not, you know, you're not watching this show if you are a, a, just a fan of fights. You are a connoisseur of art in a lot of ways. And I think that that'll be our stamp, our stain on the business when all is said and done, Luke. Doing things differently, artfully, passion, being willing to leak it. I have to, onto take, I have the to take a dump. Can we go? All right. I, as soon as I have to take a dump, I need to go. All right, uh, please stop. Please just stop being weird for five fucking seconds. Okay, that's it for us today. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks to... Thanks to everybody, but there is a documentary of this week. You'll see yes. it. It's hard to take a month or so, right? Yeah, it'll be out in a few weeks or so. Uh, until then, uh, give the video a thumbs up. Please hit the subscribe button. Welcome to all the new subscribers. And uh, until next time, may all of your gains be loyal. On Super Bowl Sunday, CBS raises the hand of the champion while lifting the spirits of our frontline heroes. The celebration starts at 2 Eastern, with JB and the guys getting you ready for the game on the Super Bowl today. They'll cover the X's and O's along with special performances from Miley Cyrus and some of the biggest names in music. It's all leading up to the biggest game of the year at 6 Eastern, February 7th. Celebrate Super Bowl Sunday on CBS.